Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Kia welcome to the show. This is the Saturday session. He's Grant Elliott, good morning. Oh, good morning. What a great day. Why is it a great day? It's always good, it's Saturday always, morning on the Saturday session. My name's Daniel McCarty. Hello, Ben Francis. Hello. Let's welcome in Justin Marshall. No, we won't. No. Oh, that's I'm a bit disappointing. Lo- I'm a bit lost today. I know, and we normally get him in early, don't we? What do you think he's doing right now? He's having a butter chicken <laughs> pie, isn't he? <laughs> He'll never live that down. But I actually, I still enjoy it. Do you know that I've been going secretly every Tuesday for work? We drive through the eastern suburbs and we go past Island Bay, Trisha's Park. Oh. And I, my you goal is... You go the is, extra large, don't you? I do the large oh, one. Oh, they large, are superb. Large pepper steak at oh. about 10, 30, 11 in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to put on about 15 kegs How this year. How are you the hairy jav, mate? You're tiny. I'm going to be the hairy bowling ball <laughs> this year. Well, how, much, how, how many pounds have you put on since you retired? Uh, no, I haven't. Exactly. I haven't. Really. Stop it, mate. <laughs> Stop your moaning. <laughs> That's because of the stress that you and Ben Francis put me under on the Saturday session. Stress testing. Stress just takes the kegs off. It will be another stress test for Grant Elliott and Ben Francis uh, because we're back to a three-hour format. We can now reinstitute yeah. some of our, our regular features. Uh, we love setting Grant Elliott assignments. Uh, a bit like a naughty school kid, he hasn't finished many of them, has not submitted them. Um, and yes, Grant, you have been getting, like university, a 2% deduction per day uh, that it's late. So your, your rowing assignment, you've already failed. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll get 0% yeah. on that one. Uh, but uh, the NBA draft was yesterday, so uh, Grant Elliott's um, been set an assignment. He needs to uh, draft five players to start an IPL franchise. So your top five later. Uh, our huge league fan, Warriors fan, NRL fan, international league fan, Ben Francis, is furiously tapping away because we gave him an assignment too, and I've never seen a man embrace it so excitedly. He's looked at it at every angle. Five five players um, he would build an NRL franchise around. So. Well, we know they're all going to be Warriors players. I'm going to hazard a guess there's going to be zero Warriors players. <laughs> Maybe one, uh, based on guilt. Because I'm such a big Warriors fan, I need to get a Warriors player in. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go zero. Well, I mean, I think the, the Warriors fans will be judging him in this draft. So this is current players, though. I just yes. want to know with the assignment, yeah. just make sure that I current. got it right. Because we know I didn't turn up for class this week. <laughs> Uh, 0800 150 that's our number. The text is double eight double three. Go and join the conversation. A, a chance this hour to chat to you. Next hour, too, we'll have more breathing room, I guess, uh, to, to invite your calls. And we certainly do love it on this show when, when people uh, add their uh, very wise opinions. Well, I must say that I actually got a few messages uh, via social uh, media this week, about, and it was on Friday morning. 
and they were very disappointed that you and Ben Francis were doing the uh, breakfast show. Oh, right. So, once again, you did another show last week, and they felt that this was almost like the golf league. Oh, really? That you were going from the PGA to the, back to the LIV today. Yeah, well, I, I think it's the other way around. I think we're the Rebels. We're the week, weekend the Saturday Rebels. Session, yeah, the, the Saturday weekend. session. We're the Rebels. But you defected. Yeah, but I've gone back. Yeah, and you've come and back And I'm coming again. back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, You know I like to play both sides. With open arms. With open <laughs> arms. I'm pretty sure at some back. stage I tipped the Blues and Crusaders last week before finally sitting on the Crusaders. I'm going to be a bit duplicitous. Hello, Ben. I'm just curious to know who these people are that grant, uh, yeah. grants me messages. Yeah, who's, who's ratted us out? I want you to rat the rats. Vincent and Aaron. Um, there was also Jace from Akatarawa. Jace from Akatarawa was not happy. So, you know, they just felt... I think they woke up, it was Matariki Friday, yeah. and they weren't sure what was happening. What's going on? I thought it was the Saturday session, well, well, but it wasn't. It was fitting, breakfast. It's fitting that I, I fill in on a public holiday. It's like a, it's a long weekend. The long weekend had started. And out of guilt, you guys phoned me, which I did like. I yeah. did I like. And you didn't I, sound at all dusty. No. And, <laughs> and you I did tell not you what, at 8.30. The household was not happy when the alarm went off at 7.30 on Matariki. I got asked why the alarm went off, and I said, well, I have to get a little bit of dust out before I'm on radio <laughs> at 8.30. <laughs> See, you're an experienced radio campaigner. Uh, just get up, wake up. Your voice changes markedly in 60 minutes for sure. Uh, our number is 0800 I'm sure many of you want to talk some cricket. But boy, oh boy, there's so many talking points out of this uh, New Zealand-England series for which we've been providing you coverage right here on SENZ uh, late into the evening and then through the morning. Hope you've been enjoying our coverage. Uh, and New Zealand have let England off the hook I want to say again, I just feel like we're constantly letting England off the hook, and we, we've done that quite a bit on a number of tours over the last decade. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. You, you may want to just praise Daryl Mitchell because uh, I think for once, Grant and I will probably have the same nomination for our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Oh, there's Mark already. G'day, Mark. Welcome into the show. Hello, Mark. Thank you, boys. G'day. Good morning. How are you? We're great. We are great. Good. I've just had to get up myself and uh, wanted to tune in especially to your show because I never miss it. And uh, I must say, I think the best thing of this cricket match so far has been the bowlers. I think the batting in New Zealand really needs to be revised and improved. And I think Grant Elliott could do the team wonders as batting coach. Well, Mark, I mean, you, you have a lot this of... Is the, this is not a stooge call, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, like, Grant has a, you're not a mate of Grant. And he's reached no, out no, to no. you going... You need to pump my tyres in a public forum, thanks. Well, I, I think that, Mark, this is very strange because my tyres don't get pumped in the show, yeah, and I, I, I love hearing this. It's a bit uneasy, actually. You know what, I would... So you want the guy who averaged how many in test cricket? I averaged... In New Zealand's test betting? Ten in ten. test cricket. Ten. Sorry. Yeah. I, I aim to score ten <laughs> test hundreds, but I averaged ten. But, Mark, I, I tell you what I do think. I think that having a fresh approach to, to test cricket, and obviously that's what Brendan McCullum provides in this test arena, the game has gone forward since T20 cricket. And the game, as yeah. England have shown, aggression is going to be the key. Now, how do you, how do you change a batter's uh, mental uh, approach in the game? Because it used to be defense first, attack second. Now it's attack first. So you, the, the answer yeah. is you can't change that. But you the, also remove repercussions. Go out, chase this total down in the second test. I don't care if we lose. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't know if you watched it, Mark, but 
the way Ben Stokes approached it, the ball was swinging and it was swinging late. So what he did was he yes. came down the wicket from ball one. Yes. He was down the wicket, negated the swing, and that was something you would have spoken to Brendan McCallum about and something Brendan McCallum did on quite a few occasions when he thought, oh, there's a bit of movement there. I'm going to negate it by being positive and taking the attack to the opposition. And that was always his best form of defence, yes. was to attack. He, yep. he would often talk about he, he didn't feel like he was equipped to stay in the crease and defend for long periods. But, Mark, I'll ask you, what what do you mean by uh, there needs to be a change with uh, the New Zealand batters um, and the way that they're well, approaching it? Well, I think they need to change their mental approach, and I think it can be done, because from an Australian point of view, um, I think one of our big elements of dominance in cricket has been that we promoted the use of spin bowlers, for example. We developed mm. our spin bowlers, as in warning and other ones. In New Zealand cricket, they don't have any spin bowlers practically, and I think that's where, in one area, the New Zealand game has majorly suffered because when the New Zealand team goes to the subcontinent, they just get outspun by India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka and other sides like that. And I think um, there needs to be a really good shake-up of the New Zealand batters where they need to have promoted in their play more aggression because I feel being too defensive, that's really stifling their ability to score a good amount of runs quickly. Whereas, I think if they had maybe a change in batting coaches or a change in coaches overall, that would work. Because with some of our rugby league teams over here, for example, they get uh, AFL coaches in as their kicking coaches to improve their kicking game because kicking is such a big part of the AFL game. So if they got other batting coaches than they've had for a while, like maybe yourself, Grant, or somebody else who's good with batting, or if they even got coaches from other spheres of sport to develop their aggressive tendencies, like, say, rugby league or rugby union, I think that would be a big shot in the arm for New Zealand cricket. Well, I will tell you, Mark, that um, Luke Ronke currently is the, the batting coach, and it's early on in his career, but he was obviously one of the most aggressive players that New Zealand and Australia have had. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, w with the likes of Luke Ronke there, um, he'll be working on that aggression, especially in the white ball game. But I think in test yep. cricket, um, it's just that balance, isn't it? I mean, England yep. were, uh, last night, England were, I'm just trying to look at w uh, what the score was. Six, yeah. So it was, they were 83, sorry, that's the New Zealand, uh, 55 for five. Um, 55 we, for six is... We, and when Ben Stokes got out, and then 55 for six when Ben Folks got out. And that was the moment where England could have looked really stupid, but Bairstow took the game away from them with what you're saying, with that aggressive mindset. So I do agree with you, but when a team's down, it's tough to get that aggressive mindset and that confidence. But appreciate your comments. It's been awesome no to hear from you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Go yeah. have a great day. Uh, that's Thanks Mark calling from Sydney, it was. Great to, to hear we've got regulars in Sydney. Uh, 113 overs, a uh, quick addition. Uh, you know, my discretion advised my maths involved. I might have this uh, uh, one or two numbers, one or two of these numbers wrong. 113 overs, England have bowled of spin in this series. Mm. New Zealand's bowled 31. And a 5 for Felich in the first innings of this game. So uh, there's some good points there from Mark. And I think, you know, aggression, it's, it's always tough when you, your openers aren't scoring many runs and we're getting quick wickets uh, at the top of the order for New Zealand. But I, I do think that Probably the most relevant point for him is spin. Everyone's talking about spin. Yeah, AJ exactly. Patel. They've bowled three times as many overs, uh, if not more. It's closer to four, in fact. Um, and they've taken three times as many wickets with spin bowling. And, what and it's not as if Leach and Parkinson, who uh, came in as a concussion replacement, yeah. this one, are, 
are world-class spinners, you, you would say. They do a job. And but, they, but they're getting overs. They're taking wickets. But, I mean, we'll be speaking to Hamish Bennett and get his opinion a little bit later. And I think the big thing is, one, how do we get AJ's Patel in? But also, if you're bowling spin, or it a means spinner. that... <laughs> yeah, a spinner. A spinner. Because I, I feel for Michael Bracewell. He's miscast in this team. Yeah. But, not, but, not his fault. You're not going to say, no, I'm not going to fire. I'm not a specialist spinner. But it's coming in at number eight. Yeah. Part-time as he's been taken to by Besto and others today. Mm. I, I feel for him. What it, what it does, those spin bowling overs, though, is it keeps your pace bowlers' legs fresh so that when they bowl spells, they can bowl short spells, short bursts, and where the captain just taps them on the shoulder and goes, I just need four or five overs from you here. And it's not long spells of six, seven overs because the legs get heavy and there's less impetus from the fast bowlers later on in the day. So spin bowling is crucial. And the Australian spin bowlers, you think of like Nathan Horitz and Lyon. You know, that they... They weren't Go look at Nathan Lyon's record. career record in Australia. It's incredible. Every visiting spinner. Yeah. It's it, it, worlds apart. It's worlds apart. And we uh, associate Australia with fast, bouncy wickets, you know. Spin can play a part um, all around the globe. Uh, you Keep your calls coming in on 0800-150-811. As uh, Grant did point out, Hamish Bennett, um, former Black Cap, now retired cricketer, and columnist these days. Yep, opinion pieces, which yeah. is great. So I'm we're going to catch up with him in about 17 minutes' time. Huge weekend for league, of course. Hugh McGarn, one of our greats of the game, is going to join us to look at the internationals. I want to hear from the fans today. It's all about the fans. Finally get to see the Kiwi Ferns and the Kiwis back-to-back, Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, it's going to be uh, fantastic. They're looking to break the world record for the largest crowd for a women's international. Um, and then... Of course, uh, Mata Matonga up against uh, the Kiwis, so we'll talk about that. Uh, yesterday on the um, the Rebel Breakfast Show, on <laughs> wasn't it, Ben? I think we had, was it Ron? We, we put out a call very late uh, for, for people who are going a long way to actually go see the Kiwis again. Because it's been how many years? It's been a thousand days or something stupid since I've played here in New Zealand. I think it was Ron talking about his travel mates, Big Kevin, Crewy and the like, Ooh. coming up from... Uh, Topor, I, I, I want to hear from league fans today. Uh, tell us uh, the links you've gone to or going to to get to this. Are you on the road right now? What sort of shape are you in? Let us know. 0800 150 Do you have a designated driver and who was it? Who drew the sure. short straw? Surely, surely. Um, and our Legends uh, segment uh, continues. only got a couple of weeks uh, remaining of that. Uh, interesting one, we're going to speak to a man who said... Uh, uh, plenty of time in New Zealand sport, decades, in fact, uh, as a player and uh, for a long, long time as an administrator, head of uh, Sport New Zealand, Spark before that, uh, Peter Miskimmon, a, a fine hockey player, represented New Zealand at, oh dear, at least one uh, Olympic game. So he will join us at about quarter past at 12. All our regular features to come, including right now, editor at large, as you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday. Let's recap the news of the day. Uh, we will uh, unpack all the stories and probably add in some uh, unwanted opinion, uh, fair to say, on that front. Uh, yes, painful to say it's been a groundhog day for cricket and the Black Caps and Johnny Bairstow as uh, Johnny Bairstow smashed an unbeaten century. An 89-hour uh, not out from debutant Jamie Overton kept England in the third test against New Zealand at Headingley on another thrilling day in England's new era, as the BBC writes. In England's new era. They're loving their new era. Uh, I said yesterday also on the Rebel Breakfast Show, we're no, we no longer love Brendan McCullum. It's just like, we're, we just like him now. We're, just, we're in the friend zone. Really? Yeah, we're out of, oh, fuck. No, well, we've got to claim it, don't we? Oh, we've got to well, claim it. Okay, it's all New Zealand success. Oh, Ben Stokes has been amazing, and yeah, so has Brendan yeah. McCullum. I see where you're going on that one. Yeah, another thrilling day in England's new era. They were 55 for six and replied to New Zealand's 329. 
uh, but thumped it to all parts and uh, have uh, finished in a pretty good position. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, the story of the day uh, from a New Zealand perspective, another 100. That's three consecutive test matches he scored hundreds in. Uh, congratulations to him. More cricket to come in about 14 minutes' time. Uh, Christian Wolfe has rejected the Warriors, apparently, um, in their bid to have him replace Nathan Brown as the club's long-term head coach. Apparently, Wolfe was offered the Warriors job after club owner Mark Robinson flew to England earlier this month in a bid to convince the St. Helens boss to take over the club. He was the Warriors' first choice in the club. We're prepared to offer him a long-term deal to entice him to New Zealand. However, the, uh, he has knocked back the multi-year offer, telling the club he's keen to return to Australia. And there's been a number of uh, stories about uh, his wish to leave St. Helens, homesickness. So it seems the lure of Australia is bigger than the lure of the Warriors there. And uh, the New Zealand Breakers next, sorry, the New Zealand Breakers two next-gen stars were selected in the uh, NBA draft yesterday. Ooh. Two players out of the uh, New Zealand Breakers, Usmani Dieng, uh, was taken 11th overall uh, by New York Knicks, only to be traded to Oklahoma City Thunder um, immediately, while teammate and French compatriot uh, Hugo Besson uh, was also snapped up, taken by the Milwaukee Bucks with the very last pick. In the uh, second round, a host of players whose fathers were NBA champions, including Sharif O'Neal, son of Shaq, Scotty Pippen Jr. and Ron Harper Jr., all went undrafted but secured contracts to the NBA summer. I, I must say, Daniel, watching a, a draft, because I've seen the IPL drafts and I've seen the boys hanging around the computers watching that. And it Instant must be millionaires. So, well, it's like winning the lotto. It is. Especially when you have one person bid and the next person bid, and there's a two-horse race, and it just keeps going up, and it's in rupees, and everyone's got a calculator out trying to work out how much it is, or in crawl. But yeah, I mean, it, it changes lives those those drafts, and you know, not everyone you know comes from great you know backgrounds, and this changes generations. And of course, the breakers only a couple of weeks ago announced that they've uh, um, recruited uh, a big-time prospect, an 18-year-old, another Frenchman for next season. So. Uh, in 12 months' time, they could be in a similar position, bidding au revoir to a player off to the NBA. Uh, NBA. The, the NBL Next Stars program um, sort of propping up the breakers. We know how difficult a time it has been for them results-wise, being on the road. I think we can give them a big pass on that once they return back home. I think all eyes will be on actual the win and loss column. Uh, but the way this program goes, the players' contracts are pay, paid for by the NBL and, and get brought out by the NBA teams if they are drafted. And that buyout money actually gets split between the NBL and the club. So the breakers are financially, you know, ticking some serious boxes. RJ Hampton yeah. a couple of years ago. Now these two, um, you know, and won't be it won't be a couple of hundred bucks either, Grant. It'll so it's quite significant money. So they're making money, it's not winning enough. And is that similar end. to uh, FIFA? The way that if, if a, a player comes from an academy and they're grown up there, then um, whoever buys them has to you have pay to for reimburse them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good deal. That deal that. So there you have it. That's the very latest in sports news. It's 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. You are with uh, the Saturday session here on SCNZ. Our number is 0800 You can text us on double eight double three, uh, including Josh, who sends in, morning boys, the treatment of AJ's Patel since he took 10 wickets in an innings, question mark. Uh, I'll let Grant ruminate on that, and he can reply, um, and I'll finish your message. Why doesn't Kane back him it really does seem Stead and co treat the performance like it was a fluke. Went into this game with three bowlers. So frustrating to watch Trent's opening spell go to waste. Mm. I Good. just, I just, I think we've got a captain and coach 
who don't seem comfortable with spinners. Very good point from Josh. I mean, you, you look at the whole timeline of the AJS Patel um, scenario. It's a fascinating career yeah. story. Well, he went to India. He took 10 wickets in an innings, came here, then wasn't selected in a squad of 15 yep. um, to play against Bangladesh. And uh, two overs. He's bowled two overs since. And two yeah. overs in Test cricket. Uh, I mean, that and now knocks. They're taking, now they're using a part timer. But it knocks someone's confidence. And then, yes, they'll use Michael Bracewell, and HS Patel can't help but sort of sit there and go, why am I not being selected? And I think it's that confidence side of things for players as well. Not so much the, the, the selection, but the treatment of that confidence. He would have been on such a high. And we've got someone now who is actually rated as a spinner. Anyone that goes to India and takes 10 wickets against that Indian team um, is, has got something about them. And I think the question that we're going to have to Hamish Bennett a little bit later on is going to be, well, how can we fit him in the team? Where does he fit? It is just shy 21 minutes after 10 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. We invite you, of course, throughout the duration of the show, 0800 8 11. You can text us on double eight double three. We will take a short break. We'll talk uh, about this test match in a little bit more detail with uh, Hamish Bennett. Uh, next hour, Hugh McGann to talk International League and what a weekend of league it is. And our uh, Saturday session Legends segment will roll on at quarter past 12. Peter Miskimmon, the former head of Spark, Sport New Zealand, and of course a fine hockey player represented New Zealand well over 100 times to talk about his uh, life and times in sport. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session on SENZ. 26 minutes after 10 o'clock, this is SENZ. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott, Ben Francis with you as we roll through till 1 o'clock. Keep your messages coming in on double eight double three. Carl writes, hope you're listening, Grant. New Zealand cricket missed the boat. We needed McCallum to come in and coach the Black Caps and look what he's done with England. He's not He's not have to the best coaching in the world of McCallum and Stephen Fleming. Why wouldn't we use them... Something funny going on at the top level. I'll answer this one, Carl. Uh, Grant, it's called money, Carl. Mm. New Zealand can't compete with what England are offering for a specialist test coach. We have one coach across all forms. Yeah, well, there was reports. We, that we've got was... a water gun and a gunfight with mm. regard to this. The, the reports were that it was £2 million over four years. So <laughs> that, that that's what... The Guardian said, so whether or not that, that's true, but uh, New Zealand just can't afford that sort of money. And then you throw in the IPL as well, where coaches are getting, you know, from over half a million US to whatever else, you know, 1.5 million um, in their sort of 10 to 12 weeks there. And I don't think we can even compete against that. So you're getting some of the best coaches at the IPL and then some of the coaches that are turning down international coaching jobs because they've got an IPL gig so it's quite a tough one for New Zealand how do we grow our coaches uh, is I think the yeah, question that, we yeah, need to ask that's a fair point appreciate your thoughts Carl um, and I completely understand your line of thinking Carl on that one um, mm. it makes sense you just think oh he's doing a great job there yeah but but um, money talks I think even Hamish Bennett would coach England for two million quid over four years good morning Hamish Bennett yeah good morning Dan morning Grant yeah I'd consider it differently I'd probably do that. Maybe, maybe even go five years for that sort of money. <laughs> well, I'll ask something. Can, can Brendan coach England with the Red Bull stuff and maybe New Zealand with some T20s? Is that possible? Can you do that? No, you have to redefine, wouldn't you? The conflict of interest. But I guess you wouldn't be. I guess 
I think what I like about... Well, you can't coach, as a player, obviously, right, Hamish? You can't as a player. But as a coach, there might not be anything stopping you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Rob Key said he could still coach the uh, IPL if he was keen, and he's open to his coaches coaching the IPL if they can get better and they can grow. So maybe Bears could coach the T20 team and sort of grow and do some personal development with us. Who knows? <laughs> personal development. Oh, oh, so important. So important, developing personally. Now, I've seen, Hamish, you're writing some opinion pieces about the, the cricket, and it's great to read your, your articles and insights and recently retired. How are you enjoying um, uh, writing every every weekend? Um, oh, it's been a bit of fun. It's good to um, read the stuff comments, and I um, have a good deal <laughs> with some of those that, <coughs> um, and that people write. It's always funny to see what they uh, think. I wish I sort of need to make an account and maybe... Um, maybe fire a few comments back at them. But I think what I've, I've enjoyed is um, I think now that we've, we've actually got such a high standard of a black cap side after, you know, they've done we really do. well in 2019, making all the three um, finals of the ICC events. And so I think with this series, you know, obviously disappointingly going into the Headingley Test 2-0 down, I think it's just our high standards that we've got now. That's why we're so disappointed. I think, um, I, mean, I, I think it's a great thing that we're so... I think the public's dirty and that we're losing, and there's some good talking points as well. I think it's just a, it just shows how much cricket's grown in this country. So I think it's actually a really good thing when you when you look at um, take a step back and look at it. It's actually a really good thing that we're creating so much conversation about it in June, whereas normally cricket in June in New Zealand is, well, no one really bothers. I do want to know though. Uh, now, having joined the evil empire that is the media, uh, Hamish, <laughs> are people no longer replying to your text messages? Uh, are your former teammates dirty on you on that front? Well, it's probably the other way. They're probably trying to grease up so I don't write anything uh, <laughs> negative. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't heard. I haven't heard from that many um, <clears throat> people. I'm, I am. I guess. I think once you step out of the game um, straight away, you're probably a little bit more conscious of what you say, making sure that you know you do have friendships and things, and you want to come across, um, you know, with some, you know, I guess with some valid points. And you've been in that environment, and you know how things tick, and you know that international cricket is hard, and you know that. You know, just because you have one bad game doesn't mean you should change the whole 11. So I'm just trying to give it a different look, I guess, as opposed yeah, it's, to, you know, he's yeah. rubbish, drop him and get someone else. And you think, well, who can, who else can you get in? Because last time I checked, there's not, there's not six other Kane Williamson's playing um, domestic cricket. No, that, that is a fair point. Hot takes are easy, Grant. Considered opinion. Constructive yeah. criticism, different well, world. Well, I think I think one of the, the questions that uh, the public wants to know and uh, the, the supporters of New Zealand cricket, Hamish, is, is this still the world-class team um, that won the Mace not so long ago? Or is this a team that's going to be going through transition and evolving after a loss to South Africa and Bangladesh at home and now back-to-back losses against England? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think um, I think, the team, I think, we, I think Brendan, I mean, you know, you know his grant as well, doing a bit of work with him on telly. Um, he always goes on about how New Zealand's the best team in the world when the ball moves laterally and They've just taken that away from us. They've just made the pitches flat, and I guess it's just exposed us a little bit of what sort of firepower and how we need to go about things. I think I think it's a team slowly transitioning. Um, yeah, I think we're slowly going to transition, and you know, towards the next World Test Championship, where we'll all start fresh again. But we're definitely a team that I think is slowly transitioning, and probably looking to that Pakistan series um, in Pakistan, um, we probably actually do need to consider someone like a Lockie Ferguson or an Adam Milne or. Someone that bowls oh, yes. Someone that yes. bowls yes with, with a bit of X factor, especially in pocket store with those flat wickets. Um, <laughs> you know, we need we need something a little bit a little bit different. And I and I look at the um, 
I look at the English series as well, you know, Wags has brought that, but I mean, wouldn't it be great to have someone like Lockie or someone just offering something a little bit different when the swing, you know, but for many years we've had the swing and the seam um, available to us, and when it's not there, I guess that's when we're probably most critical. Well, I mean, it's an interesting point you make, and I think, you know, the the greatest teams um, have had someone that bowls over that 145 or close to 150, and then perhaps even a wrist spinner or a very good spinner, as well as a, an all-rounder to create that balance in the team. So how can New Zealand, because we haven't produced many, we, we do have Adam Milne and Lockie Ferguson at the moment who can get it up to 150, probably Ben Sears is maybe someone who's got a, a bit of that capability. But the, the question we always ask is, well, how can we produce those on the wickets that we produce in New Zealand, which um, probably, you know, bowlers like myself bowling 115, and that's generous, Ks an hour, just little doblers on the wickets actually get returned. Bowling with the wind, obviously, you were. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you, um, you mustn't have played that day. <laughs> yeah, I missed that day. Um, I think uh, it's, a great, it's a great question, I think. I think the Plunky Shield wickets this year um, before Christmas should start as one-day wickets. Um, make them as flat as possible and try to get spin into the game. I think as well mm. going to Pakistan, I think Rish Sodi would be a good selection as well if you play a wrist mm. spinner. Some of this, a little bit of X-factor, because you know Pakistan is just going to try and bat two and a half days, wear you down, and just yeah. try and cook you mentally and physically and then try and see what happens on that. And then if it doesn't work in the first test, they're just going to keep trying to do it until, until they get the victory. So I think... Um, you know, I have heard rumours that Spark Sport are going to bring in a speed gun for the for the Super Smash, and I actually think um, that will actually help some of the guys bowl quicker. I know that sounds funny, but knowing your speed and knowing, you know, oh, geez, oh, that, no, that's not funny. Speed. That's not funny. We all know fast bowlers have egos. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, listen to Grant, 115. He could have bowled 118 if he had a speedo on him. Oh, I um, got it up to 131 on the odd occasion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You knew, you knew when people were watching. Uh, there's someone, Andrew Hazeldean as well, who's just gone to Otago from Canterbury, left armour, who um, a couple of years ago actually bet cancer. Um, he can bowl quick as well. So, And there's Matt Fisher as well, and ND, who can bowl quick. So we just need to get some support around these guys and just keep encouraging them to bowl fast. And I think if Spark can bring that radar on board, then I think it'll actually create people to bowl a bit quicker as well. Blair Tickner as well can bowl not bad guess. So I think these guys out there, it's just about creating those opportunities. And it's hard because, you know, Bolt, Saudi and Wagner, you know, there's 800 plus test wickets just there. So I think it's about slowly transitioning those guys when they're ready and then bringing those other people in when they're ready as well. So it's, it'll be a tough act. I think it's probably something Gareth Tennessee does. It's, you can never win, probably. Okay, well, we, we've got Hamish Bennett here who's providing his opinions on the test matches and the future of New Zealand cricket. So and, we've got the fast bowling sorted. Yeah, and we want to be positive. I don't want to sound like we're all doom and gloom. So we'll get to Daryl Mitchell, who's just been so wonderful to watch. But ha- finish the sentence. New Zealand cricket's treatment of Ajaz Patel has been... Oh, so you're talking to me or Grant? You. <laughs> Both of you. Um, oh, I think... I think definitely. I, I mean, I think I think Beast um, Braces did a good job in the first test, but I look at the way that um, I guess Bazball, as they call him in England now, um, or was he? It was Brendan who I heard on. He came on the morning show. The guy said he wants to play sexy cricket. Yeah, sexy um, cricket. <laughs> the rude horde of cricket he is sexy. He cricket. did. He did get a. He did get a fresh haircut for this test, so he is living up to it. But. Um, <laughs> I, 
he, I think they're just going to take Bracewell on too much, especially Bearstow and, and Overton, as, as they did last night. Um, just with the two right-handers ball turning in, I think, like at AJ's, yes, you can say Stokes, but it's left-handed and he'll take him on. But all the footmarks are there. You saw Leach bowling to Conway. All the footmarks were there, and he's always getting that sharp turn back into the sticks. So I think AJ's was definitely an option, and I think it's something that we need to consider in all conditions. It's just about getting that balance right. It's hard because we've had so much success with seen bowling so it's probably automatic go-to so it's just about just changing that, that frame of mind and, and saying that yeah AJ's is one of our top four bowlers so how can we get him into the lineup? Yeah I think I think Hamish is such a relevant point is how do we get AJ's into this team and when I look at or the New Zealand team spinner. yeah frontline spinner oh yeah just it can A's. be because I, I feel for Michael Brace who was a recent teammate of both of you uh, he's miscast in this test isn't he he's miscast yeah, he, he has been unlucky, but I guess the, the issue is, Dan, is that when we look at our team, you've got Latham, Young, Williamson, Conway, Nichols, and even Daryl Mitchell, who's real part-time at the moment. You've got your top six there, and none of them bowl. You know, Kane Williamson, if he was still bowling his offspin, he's very reluctant Let to go, bowl. Mate. Let it go, Yes, so he, he won't go. bowl anymore. But that's the issue there, is you probably have to take a batter out to get Ajaz Patel in. And which then, is what they've been doing for years, and one yeah. mace with five specialist batsmen, a couple of all-rounders, mm. and, and then the bowlers. And take the punt, because Hamish, am I right in saying we need to get 20 wickets, and choosing the likes of Bolt, Wagner, and Southey, there's a lot of workload there for them to get through this test to get all, 20 wickets between them. You're already in those 49 overs, I think, England have batted um, Bolt and Southey are almost close to 20 overs apiece as well. So they yeah, bowled 33 of them. The bowl 33. Yes, yeah, so they're going to be fatigued going into um, into tonight as well, which is always hard. And I think AJ's you could probably plug him in a bit more and bowl some more overs. I think you're right, Grant. I think that's your top seven um, with Blundell batting seven, and then it's about trying to pick your four best bowlers. And um, I think AJ's is definitely definitely one of our four best bowlers, no doubt. I, I think he bowled really well last year at Southampton um, before the was it? Yeah. No, it was at Southampton before. Yeah, the yeah, no, you're right. He, he, he got he, he got Ollie Pope and Joe Root out. Yeah, he bowled really well, and, and and that's why he stayed on and sat and came home because he was a he was a real threat of playing that Test match um, for, in the final there. So I think um, Daryl bowled actually pretty well last night in the three overs that I saw. So I think I think we're just going to keep working with Daryl on his bowling to try. You know, if he could bowl ten overs in the first innings, um, that'd be fantastic. And then look to get some overs out of AJ's and then try to use the three big boys. But you're right, it's just hard losing that balance, and that's what. The grand time gave us. He just gave us an incredible balance, batting at seven there and being able to be a full seamer. So yeah, um, yeah, and bowl those one. overs, hey Hamish. It's to bowl those overs to keep the legs fresh for your seam bowlers, and well, you know that thirty nine of them, didn't he? Yep, took up five wickets. Yeah, well, you look at um, I think Dutchie on average twenty overs he bowled or something. He his record was on average he take one for forty five or something. You know, it was his runs per over. I think his career yeah. is runs per over, like 2.39 or something like that. Stupid. So, you know, Kane knew he could plug him in and, and just get 20 overs of just, I guess, keeping the pressure on while he used Bolt, Saudi and Wagner at the other end. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. I think it goes back to your first question, mate. Um, it was about that transition of the team. You look at Wagner bowling last night at the bounces and England just took him on, you know. And, you know, he's got two for, I think, 58 off nine or something. So, Williamson's just... I think he's just struggling to find how to stop the bleeding at the other end, you know, because you only bowl Bolton Southern for so long until one of them probably going to break or just be exhausted. Well, Hamish, we, we've sorted out the fast bowling issues. We're going to get some bowlers bowling 150. 
We've sorted out the balance in the <laughs> team shot. with Ajaz Patel or a spinner. Now, this, we have to talk about... It's basically plucking things from Utopia Town, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. want him to bowl 150. I want him to bowl big leg. Break is it, the huge, huge. This is Hamish you know Bennett, the, the Oracle, a friend of SENZ. Grant, this is our plug. Look, this is our plug for another gig. You know, if we can get on some Super Smash things, we just need a sponsor for that Speed Radar, and whoever bowls the quickest delivery wins a prize. Then the Saturday session Speed bowl. Radar. I like that. Yeah. I, I, gonna, I do gonna, like that. You're going to have you're gonna have every fast bowler, you know, if... Everyone's listening out there. I know it's, you know, different media companies and stuff, which isn't ideal. But, you know, if they, you know, it could be the Saturday show, Speedball Radar, and they get, I don't know what they get from the Saturday show. Whether, who, is Burger King still a sponsor, Dan, or something? Well, they feed me. That's most Now they are, since you mentioned yeah. them. Thank oh, you very much. Now they are. Very good. Joe, Joe, hey, Joe, we're getting Joe off track, and we don't have a whole heap of time, Hamish. We, oh, need, sorry, to, we, need, to, we need to talk about Daryl Mitchell. Did you expect, you've played against him a lot. Did you ever see this coming? Did you ever see this guy? Uh, well, he's improved a lot. I mean, since he, he came to Canterbury a couple of years ago and got, you know, into some good shape and got really disciplined and, um, yeah, really took his batting seriously. And I think, um, you know, batting five or six at domestic cricket has really helped him with that role. I mean, he's always been a top-order batter. So, um, I mean, he's done really well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a li- not, it's not surprising. It's more just, I guess, it's... Um, not quite sure what the word is, but you probably don't expect someone to go three hundreds on the bounce, do you? Like that, so no. Um, he's done he's done incredibly well, and and as we um, said before offline, you know, even you know Jason Pine sort of tweet summed it up. You know, even Christian Cullen likes him, so he must be doing a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he that is, is a good one, but bad <laughs> jokes, Pine. If you're listening, Pine. I know you are. I know you got a show to surprise yourself, but I know you listen to this one. That was good. Well, he, he, he's becoming one of our most important cricketers, isn't he, Hamish? D- uh, Daryl Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, in all formats he is, yep. I just think the key thing is not to get too excited and think, you know, he's better than, you know, Kane or he's better no. than Conway or whatever and try let's push, put him at three or whatever. The skill is, you know, he's coming in after 30 or 40 overs. You know, the top order didn't score any runs. Yeah, right. But, I mean, they're still, you know, that top five nearly faced, you know, about 275 balls between them or something. So they did soak up a bit of, you know, a bit of energy and some mm. balls for guys like Daryl and Tom to come in and score some runs. So um, as long as the top order can soak up some time, then Daryl and Tom are going to keep scoring runs. Hamish, hey, uh, we know you're a massive league fan, huge weekend of league. Uh, we've said our uh, producer, Ben Francis, is a massive league head as well, uh, an assignment. Uh, his draft, his uh, NRL draft, he needs to draft five players to, to build a franchise around. Who would go number one in your league mind? Um, probably Cleary or Munster. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid, isn't it? You, you, you oh, like you like a you like a half, don't you? You love a half. Yeah, I love I love half that can probably you know run a game. And I mean, you know, I mean, must, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's been working for the Dolphins because they need something. <laughs> you can well, you can take that up with them now, mate, because it will speak to you as we we wrap this up. Hey, it's just always great to get uh, you on the show. Hopefully, we can do it again real soon. Take it easy, my friend. Thanks, Paula. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya. See you, Jeff. See you, Dan. Thanks. Hamish Paula Bennett uh, joining us on the program. It is 17 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Really interesting thoughts there. Um, he's a really uh, good reader of the game. Um, and uh, not holding back, which is great. That's good. Just providing think? solutions. Yeah. We don't want problems. We want solutions. Yeah, I, I'm a problem. See, yeah, I'm a solutions I, 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 person. I, I, I can't. I, I, can, I don't know the answers. All I know is it's 16 away from 11. And we need to play a break before our producer tells us off. He's such an autocrat. (laughs) 
Can you stop showing me photos of Dale the dog, please? And focus on the job <laughs> at hand, Grant. I know it's you're a very proud dog owner. Luna the dog. It's Luna. Dale, 12 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Uh, three straight test matches Daryl Mitchell has now scored hundreds in. Great work. There are five, five New Zealanders have now done that. Him, Ross Taylor, Kane Williamson, did I say Latham? And Burgess. Burgess. And Burgess did it. Um, still some, he's only halfway to the record. Don Bradman got six. 106 straight tests. Sir Don. He also, on two separate occasions, did it in four straight tests. Incredible. Don Bradman, amazing. And it got me thinking. Um, the records in test match cricket, or cricket generally, uh, they're unbreakable. Or hard to break. The hardest to break. Mm. There's five just off the top of my head. And if you if you think you know the hardest sporting record, cricketing record to be broken, well, Don Bradman's 99.94 a career test average is probably number one. It's probably number one. Right? It's probably number one on everyone's list, I would yeah. say. But what about this? Sachin Tendulkar's 100 international hundreds. Okay. You see that being broken? Uh, yes. Well, Coley's it's on possible. 70. It's Coley's possible. on 70. Yeah. Lara's 400 in the test. Yes. Definitely with the aggression that players have. Murali's 800 test wickets in a career? No. That's, that's never been broken, is it? No. The thing that's going to break before that is your body. Because you're spending a lot of time cricket. in the park. Don't play enough test cricket. Jim Laker, 19 wickets in a test match. Yeah, so that's a tough one. The, the difficult thing with the Jim Laker one, because I don't think that'll be broken either, is that you you have to make sure that no one else gets yeah. the other wickets. And then you get you get chosen to bowl in the second inning. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's, it's possible that you get 19 wickets, but the fact is that you can't let anyone else get any any other wickets on the other side. But, I mean, looking at that, for me, Daniel, 99.94, not going to be broken. 800's not going to be broken. I think the 400 will. Jim Laker, okay. 19, won't be broken, but that's a one-off. But so you think 100 100s? I think it will be broken. The only wow. thing is test cricket, the longevity of test cricket, and you know I'm no, a bit of a skeptic. More, they're going to play more T20 cricket. Yeah. 100 100s ain't been broken. Yeah. I reckon that's unbreakable. I reckon Bradman's unbreakable, and I reckon Murali's unbreakable. I go for Murali. That's top of my list. Yeah. Well, let us know if you're wrong. If we're wrong on double eight, double three, we'll take a short break. It is uh, ten away from eleven. It's five minutes away from eleven. Keep your messages rolling in. Um, we've got some uh, crackers. We'll get to just after the next break when we hit the eleven o'clock hour. The big feature of the next hour, Hugh Garn's going to join us uh, to talk about rugby league. Massive weekend for rugby league. I'm just really excited for rugby league fans. You know that they get to see their team again after so long. Well, I think it's a bucket list. Anything that involves Tonga. Oh, yeah, their fans are magnificent. They are. I mean, it's almost like the I saw the Boston Celtics fans during the NBA Finals, and I was like, wow, like I want to go and do that. That's bucket list stuff. And yeah. whenever I've seen these games, the fans bring so much energy and passion. And there's, of course, the haka before the game, isn't there? So you've got the reciprocal haka from the Tongans. But I want to remind you to keep your messages rolling, and not just about what we're discussing, but our, our weekly segment, our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week, the, the performance of the week that matters to you. Let us know, Double eight, double three. there is a prize pack. Thanks to the wonderful team at Sleep Drops available to you. Back with more here on the session after this break. What a song. What a tune. That was your dancing, wasn't What a tune. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. You are I, not wrong about your dancing, I actually mate. did dance. I danced this week. Where did you dance? It was at that foray. Oh, looting. Yeah. You, were, you were at the English embassy, weren't you? Yes. And you asked one of the key diplomats from the United Kingdom to turn on the cricket during a, a function at the embassy? I asked the British High Commissioner. You, you risked a diplomatic incident. Yes. To watch cricket. But you see, the thing is, <laughs> it, it was 
New Zealand versus England. So I went to the husband of the British High Commission and I said, listen, you want to get the people behind you here. You've got to turn that screen from the, you know, those static fire yeah. videos. Said so you've got to turn that screen on and get some test cricket. And, I said, and how every, did it go down? Everyone will be shouting, Toby, Toby. <laughs> and then I went to the, he said, don't, don't ask me, ask my wife. So I went to the British High Commission and I asked her. I don't know if she was impressed. Did you did you do it in your um, most posh voice? Did you round your vowels? I and everything? Did you? As we used to call it in our household, our dearly departed mother used to have it when certain people called. We called it the parish council voice. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Who are you, woman? You don't sound anything like my mother. Did you, I you, put, did you put on... Yeah, yeah. There's some test cricket on. <laughs> and it would be wonderful. <laughs> Simply marvellous. Pass the champagne or Negroni <laughs> or both. Give them, give them both to me. Oh, boy. Trot along. That was a great, great, great day. But it could have been made even better with the test cricket on. Actually, probably not at that point. Because that was maybe when Stokes and... Um, There's probably rules yes, around no going to someone's house and telling them to turn on the TV. It's probably a no-no. But when you're a sports fan... Maybe. I don't know. I think I did I think it's acceptable bad behaviour. Is it? I think, I, it's, from the I, I think it's acceptable <laughs> bad behaviour, going to someone's house and telling them to turn over the TV to the game yeah. that you want to watch. I'm a bit bored. Can you put yeah. that test cricket on? I'm a on? bit bored with your chat. That's not true. You've, was... you've, you've been a little bit underwhelming with your, with your, with your chat and your humour. Can you turn on the Warriors? I bet you Ben Francis has. Absolutely, he's gone round to a mate's house and asked him to turn on the league. That's incorrect, Daniel. That's right. Sure. No, it, 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 be... it, it is, and I'll tell you for why. It's because whenever the the league is on, I am always at my own house. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. not dumb enough to go out when the league's on. Oh, crikey, he just called me dumb. I think he just called me dumb there. Something similar to that, walking into someone's house and just changing the channels to the Warriors would be just walking into their house, opening the fridge and just making yourself a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> just making yourself at home. Anything but the Warriors. <laughs> Please. Uh, Daniel writes on double eight double three. Keep your messages rolling in, lads. The selection on this tour has been atrocious. He's talking about the Black Caps. We spent plenty of time in the last hour talking about that. Hamish Bennett, if you're just tuning in and you missed that chat, really strong uh, thoughts from Hamish Bennett. Uh, go check it out on our social media accounts. Uh, but back to Daniel's message, lads. The selection on this tour has been atrocious. Nothing against Bracewell, but he came into this tour with 27 first-class wickets. So we have picked three pace bowlers and a part-timer because they couldn't make the tough decision between Young and Nichols. And the top order has been failing. Uh, England spinner bowled 30 overs on day one, while Ajaz watches on yet again. Well, actually, great name. Yeah, good point. A lot of that. A lot of that is. Oh, here we go. This one, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have some gusto into this. Leach actually bowled 38 overs, and Ruth bowled seven. So there was actually 45 overs between spin. Wow. England. Yeah. 30 on day one from Leach yeah. alone. Yeah. That is quite telling, isn't it? That, that tells a story. Morning, chaps. For God's sake, we haven't had a decent spinner since Vittori! Exclamation point. No slide on Ajaz or other spinners, but spinners aren't promoted enough with game time. Um, and it goes on. There's my screen updates. Here we go. And we aren't bringing young spinners through at school level either. Just ask Dipak Patel. Only have to look at recent results. Bowling stocks exposed. Thank you, Jared. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Like you said uh, on the, um, the Rebel Breakfast Show yesterday, Kind of bored the AJS Patel New Zealand spinner issue. Mm. I feel like I've been talking about it nonstop, yeah, uh, I, I, for a number of years, and I don't think we are taking the key learnings as modern day athletes um, and coaches say, as they butcher the English language. 
we, we're not learning our lesson. Yeah, but I think the, the issue is here, Daniel, is that we heard from Mark earlier from Australia, and he said, oh, you know, the, the batters are positive and we, we promote spin. But you have spin conditions in Australia. We don't have spin conditions in New Zealand. There's not one pitch, maybe Hamilton. Um, you know, maybe there's a bit of turn there. But we, we need to change the conditions here. Maybe there needs to be one or two well, grounds that are we need spin to, conducive. Yeah, we need to encourage people to give it some refs. So, and they're not encouraged. Because no, they're, they're not. The more that revs they put on the, the ball, the more it sort of skids through on these pitches. So that means that when they come into a test series like this with AJS Patel, they don't have the game time behind them. So it might take them, you know, a few overs, you know, maybe even a test to get that rhythm. And spin bowlers need to bowl lots of overs, and they don't. So conditions in New Zealand, and also trying to fit that spinner into our starting 11 when our blueprint is produce green wickets, our batters do well on them with lateral movement, and obviously this swing and seam from um, our amazing world-class seam bowlers. I'm sure you would have been delighted if you were playing for England to see that they didn't pick uh, a specialist left-arm spinner. <laughs> any any, yeah, any, any spinner surface. on any surface could get him out. See, not everyone can play spin, Grant. <laughs> it's not always just about the bit of dirt you're bowling the yeah. ball on. And, and it's about who you're playing against too yeah. and who else is in your attack. Uh, uh, can they bowl long spells? Are they short, fiery you know, bowlers? I think Neil Wagner has sort of acted, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, sort of as our, bizarrely our spinner, spinner yeah. with the ability to bowl long spells and, and take wickets um, against set batsmen in the fourth innings. And we, uh, in the last hour, we also talked about the unbreakable sporting records. We were looking at it through a lens of uh, cricket, but we want uh, you out there, the your favourite sporting records, the unbreakable sporting records in your mind. Uh, this one from Glenn. This is a beaut. This is a great shout, Glenn. Uh, hi, guys. Edwin Moses, 400-meter hurdles, unbeaten for something like 161 races over more than 10 years, including world championships and Olympics. Um, saw him at Crystal Palace twice during his reign. Toughest race in athletics. I enjoy the banter between you two. Thanks very much, Glenn. What an amazing uh, athlete he was. Uh, and Glenn, yeah, um, this is according to a, a US Today, USA Today story. 122 races, including 107 finals between 1977 and 1987. Oh. After the streak ended at nine years, nine months, and nine days, Moses returned to the po- top of the podium with a second World Championship gold medal. And his time of 47.02 1998 still ranks, I think, in the top 10 of all time. You know, it's incredible, these people that devote their lives to the sport. And mm. I was fortunate enough to um, go to Don Neely's funeral uh, yesterday. What and, a gentleman. Yeah, absolute gentleman. But you just heard how he devoted his life to the sport and the accomplishments he made um, along the way. I just, you know, success in sport. And we're going to be speaking to Peter McSkilling, uh later on. Success in sport for me is, you know, someone like, you know, Don, who just went through his whole life, devoted it to the sport, was a selector, was a coach, was a player, um, went into journalism, wrote books about it. It's like, how can we instill yeah, that? Almost cricket historian, you could argue. Yeah. And, and what a boss little move from you know, Cricket Wellington over there. The Don Neely scoreboard, how good is that? Yeah, yeah. And on, Bugger a stand, no one looks at a stand. Mm. When you're a fan, you all look at the scoreboard, yeah. don't you? You see 
Dio's name up there. And and yesterday it actually said, "Well played, Dio. Well played" on the scoreboard. So uh, a special. And in our le- legend segments, the one telling sign of all these legends or common characteristic is their passion for the sport, and they just they stay in the sport for the, their whole lives. Whether coaching, giving back. I think we spoke to Ricky Herbert last week, and he said, "Oh, I'm in the car because." watching some nine, ten-year-olds play football at the academy. And they're, they're always involved in it. They just love it. How's your homework coming along? Yeah, good. All finished? Yeah, yeah. Ben, ben Francis, how's your homework coming along? Complete. Oh, it's complete. I like the sound of that. Um, what homework? Well, the NBA draft was on yesterday. Uh, big cricketer, Grant Elliott, big league head, uh, Ben Francis. I said in an assignment, um, they have to build their dream team's top five selections uh, as far as starting an IPL franchise from Grant Elliott shortly and also Ben Francis as he builds a magnificent NRL uh, franchise and will uh, then send his notes to the Warriors to tell them to follow this. Just do this. Sign these five uh, and everything will be A-OK. But we're going to talk some league with a man who's uh, dedicated his life to league. Absolute superb player in his own right. He's a fine reader of the game these days. Always so generous with the time, his time. Can't wait to catch up with... Uh, Former Kiwi great Hugh McGarr joining us after this break. Stay with us. We'll talk rugby league here on SENZ in just a few moments. Just shy of quarter past 11. Our number is 0800 150 You can text us on double eight double three. Keep your messages rolling in, especially to those who want to participate in our weekly uh, offering of a prize pack thanks to Sleep Drops. It's the Sleep Drops performance of the week. It's simply you just need to tell us your sporting highlight of the week, sporting performance, whether it's Daryl Mitchell, or Johnny Bairstow, for example, carrying on the theme of what we've discussed uh, for a big portion of the show, which is cricket, to send in your uh, nominations. Uh, one lucky punter will get uh, that prize back thanks to Sleep Drops. Huge weekend for rugby league, for international rugby league. Rep weekend. I love rep weekend. I, I love rep footy. I love international footy when it comes to rugby league. I, I think we've been starved of it, uh, unfortunately, o- over too many years, but I'm probably uh, fighting a losing battle on that one. Uh, but I can't wait to see the Kiwis in action and, and uh, what a day ahead. It is a double header, sold out. Could be a world record crowd for a women's international Kiwi Ferns in their uh, test uh, before it is uh, Mate Matonga and uh, the Kiwis locking horns. We are joined right now by a former Kiwi great to add um, some expertise, I'm sorry to say, Grant. I know, I know, I know you're wonderful at, at rugby, but you and I, when it comes to rugby league, we need help. Ben Francis tells us that every week. We need all the help we get. We need can all get. the help we get, and we've got a great of New Zealand Rugby League. Hugh McGahn joins us on the program. Hugh, thanks so much for helping us out today. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. I, I hope I can live up to those expectations. Oh, you will. Uh, no, no, no doubt <laughs> you will. I want to take you back to the morning of your first test. How vivid are those memories? Oh, God, no, cloudy. Um, I remember <laughs> the game itself. Uh, but the morning of, no, I, I, I honestly can't remember. I was actually ruled out of my, the, my very first one uh, because of a, a medical history, uh, a medical issue, but then I, I was able to play in the, uh, the next test. Uh, but I, all I can remember was just this blur in front of me. We, I was on for about 25 minutes, but it was all over in about 10 seconds as far as I was concerned. It was just a, an absolute daze. I'd imagine it's difficult for athletes. Yeah, uh, difficult um, grant for any athlete to slow things down when they're making the international debut. Yeah, well, I'd be interested here in, in hearing what, what was the advice because I remember someone, um, you know, approaching me and and it was a test match. So you've got five days and you think that oh, well, that's not going to go 
you know, quickly. And but it didn't. He, the, the advice was enjoy every moment because it goes fast. And I was like, well, surely it's not. It's five days, but it did. Went so quickly, and I probably didn't enjoy the moment as much as I should have. Were, were you given any advice before your first game? Uh, unfortunately, no. Well, I give similar advice to, to, to young men uh, nowadays. But no, in, in my day, no. I was in the era where you were just told to do do as you were told. Don't make any mistakes. If you make any mistakes, you'll get a slap, slap around the ear or a kick <laughs> up the backside, or you'll, or you'll be dragged off the field. So you, you went in with a little trepida- a little bit of trepidation or fear uh, going into the, uh, to the games. But you're, you're right. You, you, they, you really need to enjoy the moments while they're there with you because they do they go so so quickly wow how times have changed now you have to give them a good hug and tell them how good they are go out and express yourself <laughs> oh my god yeah that certainly wouldn't happen and it's it's 40 years i think probably to the month or to the to the week where i first made my test appearance uh i say it was 1982 and um against Australia at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Um, but that was a long time ago, um, and things have changed. Yes, there's a lot of hugs and um, and kisses that we have to, to give these young men to make sure that they, uh, they're looking at things in the right way and, and help them through. What a day ahead for league fans uh, across New Zealand, across Australasia, uh, with, of course, the double hitter. Then you've got Samoa, Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea up against Fiji. Uh, it's, it's a day, really, that's going to bring a lot of joy, isn't it, Hugh? It, it is, and um, I think a lot of relief too for, for, for players and for coaches and, and for spectators. You said we've been out of this for, for a couple of years now, and, and it, I think it's just going to be a relief for everyone just to get out and, and watch some international footy, and, and no more so than the, 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 the Kiwi team and, um, and Tonga. Um, I think the atmosphere is going to be enough for, for everyone just to get into the, the swing of it. They'll enjoy the, the, the spectacle. Obviously, everyone's hoping that their team wins, um, but I, I just really hope that it is a good spectacle for everyone because we've waited so long for it to get back. The last thing we want to see is a, a slugfest or a, a Dow game that, that comes about. But when we're talking about the, the, the two teams that have been selected for the, for the Kiwi and uh, Tonga game, I think there's going to be a lot happen within this, uh, within this game today. How, how do you judge International Rugby League in 2022 here? here uh, granted, we haven't had a lot of it because of, of COVID, but it seems to me maybe over the last five, six years, since really they changed those eligibility rules, it's no longer as top-heavy that there is, you know, more talent spread across, and that's only good for the game, surely. Yeah, it, it is, no, no question at all. And, and it's, only time's going to tell soon that um, Tonga is probably going to be close to being classed as a, a Tier 1 nation. You know, the, the amount of players that they have to call on now and the depth that they have says that, the, you know, they, they can drop five, six or seven players and still bring in equal quality players. So it, um, I, 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 I think it's uh, it's grown. It, it will continue to grow. Uh, while the, the Polynesian influence is uh, paramount, uh, but certainly here in New Zealand, but in, in Australia, it's really taken a foothold, um, that uh, the, the game's going to be a lot more exciting. It's going to be close. It's not going to be the, the, the Australian Kiwis and the, the English um, who are going to fight out World Cups. It's going to go down to some of these island nations, and Tonga being one of them. Uh, they're going to run everyone close. Um, Hugh, do you believe in home advantage? Because whenever I've watched these games, <laughs> I always think that Who's it's a it home? home game for Tonga. Yeah, I believe in the home ground advantage. <laughs> yes, I do. But it doesn't work for us, uh, unfortunately. They, the, the, the Tongan community, hey, don't they come out and they're, they're hordes and and put on their red jerseys. And that's 
it's fantastic right. to see, and it's a magnificent right. sight. Um, but uh, I, I wish we could have a few extra black ones. We'd probably have to buy up a whole heap and um, and give them away to to some people at, at the at the gates to, to to try and get some sort of um, equality in that area. <laughs> well, well, Hugh, we like to get on players um, for for missing tackles, for not putting in the effort, demanding more out of our teams. We should demand more of it out of our fans, the New Zealand fans, right? Go on front. Max, uh, Max yeah, Tonga with passion we, and pride tonight. There's nothing wrong with showing passion and pride. No, no, exactly right. But unfortunately in New Zealand, we're probably asking the same of the, the people who are supporting the Warriors at the moment. And uh, that's a tough call um, to get some passion and whatever out of those people. They're, they're suffering as it is at the, at the moment. Maybe they, they, we, we should do that uh, because of it. They, they'll have something to look forward to with the, uh, the Kiwi team today. Um, I, I honestly, again, I just reiterate. I, I hope it's a good spectacle. I hope it's yeah. a, a, a really good game. Uh, but I think it's a game that New Zealand probably have to take um, take the initiative against Tonga and don't allow them the freedom um, and uh, uh, let them play the game that they want to play. We we really have to defensively. We have to shut them down today. It's such a hard job getting a read on these two teams, Grant, because they haven't played for so uh, long. But uh, Hugh. When you look at New Zealand's team on paper, it's the type of group that you can really dream on, right? It sort of whets the appetite at uh, you know, the talent they have available, considering the form they've been in during the NRL, these individuals. Uh, yes, and just uh, texting uh, Michael Maguire and uh, his excitement about the, uh, the players, uh, even prior to our selection process going through, he'd been p- talking to all the, the players, and every one of them, have been excited about the, the international game getting back into into full swing. We're, we're sort of engrossed a little bit with the state of origin at, at the moment, so the Australians will always have something else to, to look at. Uh, but for those boys who haven't been able to play any internationals, um, Michael, as I said, he, he's just so excited about what the boys are feeling towards uh, coming into camp. But since he's been in camp, um, it's just been a real revelation. They're, they're all thriving in it. Hugh, um, are there any traditions that are, are done before the game that the players can get excited for or any traditions that you think Michael Maguire's coach will um, be subjected to? I mean, I know that we had the cap presentation in Test Cricket where you know, we, we had a guest speaker that would arrive and then hand out the caps and give a little bit of a pep talk. But is there anything that you know of that, that is a tradition that's passed down? Uh, that that normally also happens uh, with with the Kiwi team. The uh, the jersey presentations to debut players, they do bring in guest speakers. Um, I was able to do that a couple a couple of years ago, but uh, they they do bring people in. So it is similar uh, in that vein. Um, much better than the traditions we had when I was playing, and I don't want to mention what those traditions were. Okay. You sure you don't want to mention those? You, you definitely don't want no. to mention those? <laughs> no, 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 don't want to mention those ones. <laughs> no, and it, 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 put it this way, it wasn't a warm hug from your coach, I'm guessing. It wasn't a warm no, hug from your no. coach, no doubt about that. Uh, Hugh, no, I'd like it was, to know... It was, when... it was similar, similar to running the gauntlet. If you, if you oh, had, okay. had to no. strip down and whatever and run a gauntlet, that was probably the initiations or the congratulations for, for being right. in a debut team. That, it's a similar would... line. That would be front-page news in 2022, yeah. it? And, and not for good reasons, uh, I, I would think. But, Hugh, I'd like to know, after your inspirational, motivational speech a couple of years ago, did the Kiwis win that day? Um, 
actually, I, I can't rem- remember who we uh, that's who a we no. were playing that. That was probably a no. It's probably yeah. a no. Yeah, no. Yeah. no. Must be a no. <laughs> so across the park, when, when you look at these two sides, where, where are where are the key matchups, if any? Um, well, they, they could be across the park, but the the, the 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 combination I'm really looking forward to seeing is Jerome Hughes, um, yeah. Dylan Brown, um, and just how they gel together, or able to find time to really gel to uh, create some uh, momentum for for our team. The uh, it's going to be in in the forwards. Uh, for the for the Kiwi team, we're looking specifically Jesse Bromish, uh, James Fisher, Harris. Um, similar to what they're doing with their own club teams, uh, they need to perform exactly the same for, for the Kiwis to get us get us going forward. Um, and there's just so many across the board with, with Tonga. It's frightening to see what they've got available. Um, and as I said at the start, I think it's defence for us today that that's going to win it. Um, as opposed to some of the strike that we have, we really need to make sure that we we shut down the, the these these Tongan boys. Well, you've been in contact with Michael Maguire. How's he feeling about this? It must be quite a challenge uh, for a coach because they haven't been together. They don't have much muscle memory uh, over the last couple of years. They haven't played a lot. Um, they never have a lot of time international league sides to get ready. So, you know, how how tough a job is it for him? You think? Oh, it, it, it is tough, but I, I think there's there's unity that comes within the group. A lot of them have been together, obviously, a couple of years ago. So getting back together just helps form a bond or the relationship that the, the, the players have. Um, it, it's it's not that big a jump. Um, there may be a few timing issues, you know, say, between Jerome and, and Dylan and Dylan linking up uh, with uh, Manu out the back or him coming into the, in, into the line. Uh, those sorts of timings are probably just something that you work at 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 training, but it's it's on the day. It all changes differently when we when, once the whistle blows and there's tension in the air and maybe the crowd is the, the roaring of the crowd has its has its role to play. Um, but I don't think that there's too much more to for, for, for players to get used to. And, and lastly, who wins the next state of origin? I'm a maroon supporter, so I'm happy so far. I would like to see the Blues. And then for Queensland to win at in Brisbane to take the yeah. series, I was like a two-one, especially when the Maroons come out on top there. Here, you've got that right. You've Mar- got that right. The Maroons or the Maroons? The Maroons, mate. <laughs> the Maroons, isn't it? Mar- yeah, we'll oh. go with something like that. Are you a Blues fan, Grant? Is that eat, what you're I telling us? Ma- I used to eat macaroons. <laughs> <laughs> so you I just thinks- thought that. How you think? <laughs> you have uh, lived up to all expectations, Mr. McGarner. It's always a, a treat having you on the on uh, the station. Enjoy this marathon day. Hopefully, you've banked enough brownie points to watch all four games that you could theoretically go back to back to back to back. I'm looking forward to them. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hugh. Hugh McGarner, former Kiwi's great, uh, offering his uh, take on the uh, upcoming or marathon day. Uh, I spoke to uh, Ben Francis about this on the. Uh, the Ribble Breakfast Show yesterday. <laughs> he doesn't have enough brownie points to get through one test, by the sounds. Do you, Ben? I'll try my luck, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. No. <laughs> uh, I, I really... What a day, though, for league heads. Yeah, no. Fuck is... yourself up. Don't move. Unless you're going to the Kiwis games, of course, and the Kiwi Ferns. I, I, I love the contrast in advice that Hugh was given in his first game. Basically, don't mess up, otherwise you'll get dropped. Don't and you'll stuff be, up. Yeah, you'll be taken off the field. And I, I was sort of in that era where it was went from old school to new school, you know. And, um, and now the advice I give players is, you know, enjoy every moment, take on the challenge. But I said, you know what? 
It doesn't actually matter. No. No one is going to read the paper tomorrow and go, oh, Elliot got a duck on debut, and it's going to ruin their day. They open the paper, they look at it, and their day moves on. The only one that cares about this moment, you know, more than you is yourself. Like, there's no one else out there that will worry about it. So just go out and express yourself. Because I think if players can just release that fear of failure, which obviously wasn't the advice given to, to Hugh and players in those, those the eras. Yeah. You'll be dropped before the test is finished. Yeah, you don't want to regret it. I have regrets in my first, in my test debut because I don't think I did express myself. I think I was overcome by anxiety and fear. And uh, I look back at that moment, I go, oh, you know, missed opportunity. You only have your debut once. So, yeah, you have to get those players in the right frame of mind. So those listening right now driving to your game, we wish you luck. Hope it goes well. Have fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Have fun. Enjoy it, because I'll tell you what, you won't get that moment back again. No, especially when you can't get out of bed on a Saturday morning because you're stiff and sore and old. <laughs> Isn't that right? Thoughts of Humagan. Uh, we do appreciate his time. Uh, keep your messages rolling in, uh, especially those who want to nominate uh, for their performance of the week. Uh, we'll read one out just to inspire you all. It is from Chris. He writes, guys, my performance of the week is the Blues media and fans for convincing everyone the dynasty was over and they had it in the bag. That went well. Oh, and Sam Whitelock, who actually did go well. Cheers from Chris. I got if sucked that, in. I, I tweeted, got sucked I, in. Sent on social media at halftime of that game. If it was, I said, stop the fight. It's not even close. It was a boxing joke. If it was a boxing joke, it would have been called off at halftime. It was so lopsided, in my opinion. It was so one-sided. Crusaders were so good from the off. Like, Post didn't do anything in that first half. It was amazing that the scoreline was that close. Well, the athletes, That was a championship first-half performance. And athletes, credit to the Crusaders. Yeah, athletes and teams that are world-class do the basics time in and time out, and they just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. The Blues lost line-outs, they lost scrums. They just didn't get enough ball, and I agree with you. Even though you know that I was going for the... I got sucked in by the media. Yeah. And even you Justin did. Marshall, on his last show, turned his back on me, on his on his video screen right here in the he studio. Did. He walked away and almost never came back. He wasn't happy. No. But they were. They were dominant, and that is... Death taxes, Crusaders win rugby game. Yep, that's my Sleep Drops performance of the week because... The Crusaders. Yeah, I'm throwing it out there early, yeah, because I watched the game... And I it was, was like, over at halftime. Just so dominant. It, it's not over on the scoreboard. I just felt there's no way. And I know it's a final. And there's so much talent on the other side of the field. But everything in my brain was going, there's a gulf between these two teams. Yeah, surely there's going to be an intercept by the Blues and give them a little bit of momentum or something. But they just, they were never let into the game. You didn't even see, like, Barrett was really a non-entity. They just shut him down. Forwards couldn't get enough ball. They were eight loss line outs though. Amazing team, the Crusaders. Oh God, you have to take your hats off to them. Eight loss line outs. I thought I was watching under fifty mm. rugby at times. Uh, Twenty eight minutes away from twelve o'clock. We will take a break. On the other side, oh, homework is due. Stay with us here on SENZ. This is the Saturday session on SENZ. Keep your messages coming in to double eight double three. You can always pick up the phone oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's toll free. You get through right now. 23 away from 12. Adam Wright, Sleep Drops Performance of the Week and Month. D. Mitchell, exclamation point. If it wasn't, if he wasn't playing, who knows how it would turn out. Well, Adrian, Adam. Adam. Sorry. Gee, the, well, you're, in the right, eyes you're, you're in the right ballpark. It starts with an A. I'm 
I'm I was I was touch and go whether I was going to go for Daryl Mitchell as well, but I went from last week because he was my sleep drops performance of the week last week, so I, I didn't feel like I could go back to back. Although he does deserve all the accolades he's getting, first ever New Zealander to go three hundreds in a row against England, but he is really showing his worth in New Zealand cricket and. Now, opening the batting for T20s, he'll be an integral part in the middle order. Hamish Bennett spoke earlier and said, if we can just get a couple more overs out of him, he might play even more part as that all-rounder slot. No one in our top sixes is really bowling. Yeah, well, Daryl Mitchell got my nomination too. Uh, Honourable mention to Tom Blundell because they've been quite a duo now, haven't they? Grant, I'm going to give you two, two numbers. 777 and 728. Okay. What do what I need to do with those what numbers? Are those, why, why do those numbers matter? Um, is it... I don't know. It's the amount of runs, 777, that Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell have scored combined in the series. 728 is the runs every other New Zealander oh, wow. combined has scored. Wow. But there, there is a trend here, and Hamish Bennett touched on it. He said that the top four did face a number of balls. So I wonder, because Bearstow and Stokes have gone well, so you've got your, your middle order. Once the shine is taken off the ball and maybe not moving as much, then the middle order comes to play. But we've got Adam from Christchurch. Right, you're getting really close. You're invading my personal space. Can you move over? Really not getting my sister. In. He's a real close talker. Happy <laughs> birthday, Anna. Uh, hello, Adam. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. You, you wouldn't be a close I'm talker, just... would you? No. 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 I've just got a question of what, um, what you guys would think about... Um, the Patel issue, have they ever thought that a left-arm spinner might be a bit different for the English batters, considering that they've got Broad and Anderson, who the batters would face, and they brought a left-arm spinner who really England don't have any, and there'd be a chance to change it up and worry them? Yeah, I think, Adam, the question is is just more around the balance of our team and bowling overs. You know, we spoke about, you look at Broad and Anderson. Um, Anderson did play this test, but it was Potts and, and um, Broad. They only bowled 16, 17 overs. Um, but is it about balance when Michael Brace was batting eight? No. You don't need a, a batting all-rounder at eight. They were hoping Bracewell would bowl the overs that Adam's talking about as yeah, a spinner. That's a team you pick when you two nil up in a series. Mm. But we're, we're hedging yeah, our bets not... both ways, aren't we, Adam? We're saying let's pick someone who can bowl a bit and bat a bit. But then why would, how old's Wagner? Why would you bring in Wagner for a dead rubber when you could give a young guy an option and get some, give him some overs? Like Patel, he bowled two overs and then they pretty much just stopped him. I don't know if you heard, when Shane Warne was coming through, he was about to drop, be dropped, but Alan Border told him, right, you're playing the next test. And he went on and bowled and won the game in one session in Sri Lanka. you got a backspinners. They're not going to go at two to three runs and over like the fast bowlers. It's just, I just don't understand. The, surely someone in the hierarchy of New Zealand cricket should understand that. Welcome to my world, Adam. been talking about this for about 10 years. 45 overs a spin was bowled by England in 117 overs. So that is a real telling sign, Adam. And I think... So, and Adam, I would have had it Wagner and Patel. Yes, Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't think you, you look at Wagner and you go, yes, I can understand why he was given an opportunity. Just given his record, he didn't play in the first two tests. Felt like he should have played in this, in, in definitely the second one. But we just not get, finding that balance that we need to get the spinner in. And I think the worry for New Zealanders is that they think that Patel can't bat, and that means we'll have a, a, a bigger tail oh, in the yeah, side because our tail 
covers themselves in glory with their technical right in behind. Yeah. You know, I head over the ball, high left elbow type thing. Come on, mate, we've got a tail enders of some of the finest, most entertaining, dirty sloggers in world cricket. And I'm all for it. Like, they're great entertainment. I think we lost Adam, have we? It sounded like your phone dropped out. You still there? There. No, oh, you are. Can you hear me? Adam, I, I want to ask you a question then. Okay, if we, you want to replace one of our batters, one of our top six batters, Nichols, I'll answer with for AJS me. Patel, who are, you, who are you replacing? Well, Tom Latham's in a bit of trouble. Yeah, he's out of Nick. I know. Abs- there's like, and I don't know if you read the article last week about how he just beats up the other nations. Like, there's, I, don't, I know there's probably not someone to replace him with, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, how did Santner get so many test matches and then Patel's like he gets one set, one test match and it's on yeah. it's a fair points Adam great to chat to you mate go enjoy your Saturday right, thanks so thanks. much for joining us here on SCNZ great stuff yeah really Adam. interesting points about Latham he's raised there and I think Dylan Cleaver did a great piece on, on, on his um, the bounce I think it's called you know one of New Zealand's most successful sports journals has gone out on his own he highlighted Latham against some of the weaker nations, stronger nations. And I, and I just dug out the numbers myself today. Against Australia, India, Pakistan, South Africa, England, you know, those along with New Zealand make up the top six in the world ranking. Yeah. Apparently it's constituted. 27 tests. Sorry, 45 matches against them. Average is 27. Mm. 300s. And 16 tests against the rest. Average is 73. And 800s because yeah. he's only 11. Henry Nichols is averaging 22 away from home, Grant. Yeah. And when he's been at home and filled his boots, it's because he's been given a lot of chances. Um, he's still got to take those charges. So I think Mitchell probably has gone ahead of Nichols. I'm still willing to give runway to, to the likes of Latham. Because as, as Adam answered the question himself, who, who, who else is there right now? Yeah. There was an opener. So. Well, you, you could throw Devin. Maybe that's why Conway. I, well, I was hoping he would actually say that. He'd say, well, I'd shuffle Conway up to the top and then the batting with either Latham or Young. And then Williamson at three... Then you can go Daryl Mitchell at four now. And then you've got that number five. Keep your calls coming. 0800 This is a sports program. It doesn't have to be about cricket. We've invited uh, your thoughts, especially to those who are on the road heading to the rugby league today. I, I want to know about your crew. Um, have you got some liabilities in there? Are you going to be all well behaved? And just, you know, give me paint the picture of how excited you are at the prospect of seeing the Kiwis and Kiwi Ferns playing in front of your own eyes. Uh, we will take a break. And, and I promise homeworkers, Joe, I, I did give them a 10-minute extension. Uh, hold tight, or we'll be revealed after the break. Come to the podium, or not podium, what do you do when you... When you come to the top of class. Come to the front class, please, Ben. Francis, right. Um, Professor McCarty sending a couple of uh, homework assignments for Grant Elliott and uh, Ben Francis. Uh, this was all inspired by the NBA draft yesterday, with teenagers becoming instant millionaires, of course. Uh, dreams becoming reality. And, of course, hopes and dreams of fans and chief executives and back office staff about, right, this this player's going to change our franchise forever. So your assignment, Ben Francis, was? Well, you, you told me just as we were going to air, I had to... Oh, pick, don't, uh, get, don't, come on, don't give me this what? just as I came to air. That was nearly two hours ago. Yeah, how, how much time did Grant get? No, two I, hours same. and two minutes. Yeah. Oh, I reckon he had more time than me. I reckon this is controversial. <laughs> Oh, oh well, wow. it's right, not okay. a competition we'll, anyway. We've got different we'll, teams we'll go, here. We'll, we'll go and we'll give you plenty of time. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> no, yeah. I've got my team. Don't worry. Okay. Ben, you heard me earlier. I don't want excuses. I want solutions. Don't ask, you know, no problems. Let's have solutions. And that's exactly what we're going to come with. Right, who's starting? 
Your Daniel? next hour, Ben Francis. So you want my, if I was starting a rugby league franchise, yep. my top five players. Yeah, he, he has to draft five players to build a, an NRL franchise. Do, do, do I have to do them in order? Well, you can go five, four, three, two, one if you want. Oh, or, uh, okay. probably, but generally a draft starts off with the best player. One, two, three, four, five, if you want. All ben right. has taken this to a whole new level, though, yes. scientifically. Because Ben understands the mechanisms of this, the NRL, which is a salary-capped competition. So you can't just buy the the five best players, can you, Ben? Because you've got to fill out a roster after that. So, so he's had to be scientific. Exactly. Yeah, IPL is as well, though. But, I mean, I don't no, really have that. No, yours is the IPL. Crap. Yours is yeah. just literally back up the truck five times, yeah. tip out the money, and you, r- yeah. you run away with five cricketers. Mm. Yeah. There's no science in cricket and T20 cricket, mate. This has got the biggest wallet. So, and and I, I looked it up, and the average kind of the in rugby league for me, if you want to win, you have to have a solid spine. And the average kind of price on a spine spent in the NRL in this terms of starting spine is the cheapest in the NRL is one point one five million, and the most expensive is two point eight million. So yeah, I was kind of trying to go for that kind of ballpark there. If I'm going my number one pick to build an NRL franchise around, based on what I've seen and kind of the kind of style player I'd like, I'd go with Nico Hines as my first pick. Nico Hines. I wonder how many out there listening had Nico Hines as number one. Is that a bit of a shock? A bit yeah. of a shock. I, I'd say it is, and he's on 600k. So I'm trying to. I'm. This, these are all factors that are being put into consideration here. Okay, so. Um, the average salary again for his position, just repeat uh, that. For, for the spine, which is your fullback, your two halves and your hooker, which is uh, 1.15 is the cheapest in the NRL, which is the Broncos. And then 2.8 million is the most expensive, which is the Melbourne Storm. Right. And the Melbourne Storm tend to have gone well over the years. I, I've always found it funny, um, discrepancy uh, by position, right? <laughs> Some positions are paid significantly more than others. So you've probably had to weigh that in. So Nico Hines is number one. Number two, I'm going to my fullback, and I'm going to be putting Joey Manu at my fullback. Joey Manu. 700,000. Was, was that a tough one? There was a lot of good fullbacks floating around. Yeah, I could have gone cheaper, but after I kind of had my team, I kind of thought, oh, I could kind of probably spend a little bit more, but I think Manu would have been in there anyway. He has the capability of playing in the halves, so he could have been an option for six. Number three. You're drafting who at number three? Number three, I'm going to go for my next half, and he's also 700K, and that's Jerome Hughes. Ooh. Right, two to go. You've got halves, fullback. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to leave my hooker till my fifth pick because I really want a strong leader of the pack, someone who I know is going to perform week in, week out, and I've gone for another Kiwi in James Fisher-Harris. James Fisher-Harris. Why him? What do you like about him? Oh, I love his Northland mongrel. <laughs> the Northland mongrel. Is that a thing? Yeah. Titai Tokoro mongrel. <laughs> you do need one of those in your team, though. A mongrel. I, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer that when you pick a team, I hate cookie-cutting teams, and you know, everyone has to be like an Alistair Cook, let's say. No, everyone just has to be authentic. What, lambing need- in spring? No, thanks. You, 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 you want a dirtbag, don't you? Yeah, you want someone that you look at and you're down and out as a team and you go, why does he still believe? He's still bashing people. He still believes, and that's the person that G's the team up. I do think Wagner is like that in the New Zealand uh, cricket team. You look at him and he's just like his heart, he pours just everything out. just hijacked his whole segment, haven't you? Sorry. 
You've hijacked a segment and brought it back to cricket. I'm backing. I'm, I'm backing <laughs> oh, Ben's picks. Wait, wait till I like hijack his segment. Number five. Now, Tra- I, based on based on my you're going theory, a hooker. Yeah, I, I, based on my theory, I'd still have a bit of money to spend, but I'm kind of sticking with that kind of mongrel thing. And this guy hasn't been playing much hooker this year, but has the capability, and Ooh. that's uh, Ruben Cotter. Why is he not playing? Well, he's been playing kind of more of a middle forward, a 13. Right. But he began as a hooker, and that's kind of where he's primarily, his main position is. So I think he can slot back in there. All and right. So that that's your five. Just recap the five again. I've got, got it right. Nico Hines, Joey Manu, Jerome Hughes, James Fisher-Harris, and Ruben Cotter. Okay. And if I had to have a sixth pick, it would probably, or someone else, it would be like a Matt Burton kind of player. All right, right, but you don't, you don't get you don't get a six future. pick, mate. You don't get a six. Interesting, very interesting. All right, league heads out there. Uh, the other thing about drafts you always get draft grades, instant draft grades. Is it an A plus? Is it an F? Is it a B minus? Go on, the wise league fans listening out there. You've heard producer Ben Francis uh, name his top five draft picks to build an NRL franchise. He's even weighted salaries. He's put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, you've heard his list. I want you to grade it on double eight, double three. Uh, let, give us a grade. Um, Grant? I like it. You like uh, it? I like it. I like the thought that's gone into it. I like the personalities he's thrown in there. You like the mongrel especially. I, lo- I love that. I think we need to bring it back. You know, we spoke to Hugh earlier on and he said, you know, the advice he was given, just don't stuff it up. That mental aptitude to go out there with a fear of failure and just the conviction that you just got no chance of losing. There is no other option but winning. All right. So, uh, great Ben Francis's draft. Um, Hines, Manu, Hughes, Fisher-Harris, Cotter. His top five to build an NRL franchise around. What say you, listener? Double eight, double three. Instant reaction. We'll take a break. Uh, in the final hour of the show, our big feature, of course, is the Saturday Session Legend segment in association with Somerset Retirement Villages. Peter Miskimmon will be our guest, but hold tight. Grant's team's coming up next. It is 12 o'clock, final hour of the show. So fear not, ladies and gentlemen, in one hour's time, Cleo and the team will take over and um, sanity will prevail and your day will go on and you'll enjoy it. Uh, we've enjoyed the first couple of hours of the program. We certainly hope you have too. We've had Hugh McGahn last hour talking International Rugby League, which returns today. Fantastic. Good luck to the Kiwi Ferns and the Kiwis for that double, double header. Sold out Mount Smart, not only this week, but next week too. Of course, when the Warriors return home, uh, you can check out our social media uh, to listen to Hugh McGahn. Hamish Ben in the opening hour, I spoke very well on the cricket. Uh, Peter Miskimmon is this week's uh, Saturday session sporting legend, fine hockey player, played over... 100 games for New Zealand, went to at least one Olympic Games, but of course uh, spent, what, a decade, if not more, maybe 12 years, in fact, um, running Sport New Zealand. Spark, as it was once called then, Sport NZ, um, before retiring a couple of years ago. Uh, find out what he's up to now, and, uh, you know, his story as a player then into an administrator. He will join us in about uh, 10, 15 minutes' time. Last hour, though, we also had Ben Francis um, give a draft his top five NRL players to build his franchise from. We asked you to grade it. In um, you know, true American sporting ways, you got to slap a grade on it, and players have never played in a competition. And the grades on, come in, and the grade, it? gents. I give his draft an A. Wow, five very good players that are not out and out stars. Writes Hayden. Mm, Hayden. Thank you very much, Hayden. See, he put a lot of thought into it, Grant. You know, best mate. young players who can mature. Um, 
who, who aren't overly expensive, who don't burden you at the rest of your salary cap, mm. who are tied, no doubt, to, to more than just one-year deals. Well, Hayden Francis. Multiple Fran- years, so there's stability there. Hayden Francis got it bang on there. I thought it was a, a it was an exceptional team. How many and, of those players had you heard of? I'm, not many of them. Not many. But I'm just, I'm just going to let you know that you only told me the whole salary cap thing oh, here we, just three I'm minutes just ago. I'm surrounded by people trying to get out with... And I've got a great solution for it. So I'm, oh, I'm, I'm ready when you're okay. ready. Okay. All right. Grant Elliott's assignment was to draft five cricketers to front and pop up his uh, IPL team. So it's your IPL auction against yourself. No real New Zealander who's not a cricket numpty knows how the IPL auction works and the retaining and, and the salary cap there. It's, it's confusing. Mate. Well, it's because it's, it it's in crore. So crore is, from what I understand, one crore is around $140,000. So someone like KL Rahul was retained for 17 crores, so around $2.38 million. Um, but there is a salary cap. It's okay, so what's the, what's the ninety the crore is the salary cap around about eleven point nine million. Right. Yeah. So you've got to pick a whole squad. Yeah. But you're only doing your top five, so you don't. Well, you've only given you gonna, five, so it's you're going to spend eleven point nine million dollars on five players, aren't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Here we go. Right. Well, I'm going to spend spend eleven out of, out of the gated community into his Aston Martin. Going to drive <laughs> down to pick up the Lamborghini that he left. At the, the the English embassy on Thursday night when he was drinking his Negronis. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, Who are you wasting money on? Who's your first pick? Well, uh, I have given a lot of thought into this. And, you know, just stay with me here, listeners. Stay with me. Um, I think that every team that you have, you need a decent spinner, as we've spoken about on this. It's the theme this of the day, isn't theme it? theme of the day. Um, you need a very aggressive uh, all-rounder. And you need an opening pair as well as someone who bowls 150. So I'd given so opening batting partnership spinner, all rounder, yes. yes. But I I would give an honourable mention to Lockie Ferguson who would have made my team, any team. Is that close? Yeah, he would have made it. But I've only got space for five players, and you'll enjoy these five players. My opening you're, you're, pair. No, you're drafting who? You're drafting number one. Number one uh, would has have to be uh, Joss Butler. Number one. Uh, strike rate of 150, average is 57. So, you know, already after um, after the first 10 overs, he's on 45. And, and unlike a lot of Englishmen, does very well in Amstel, uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, extremely well. <laughs> extremely <laughs> well. Loves an Amsterdam away trip. What, did you get 160 of 60 balls or yeah. something stupid? The next one's Kael Rahul. Very, very consistent player. So you've got consistent runs there. Strike rate of 135, so... You're drafting in number two. He's the second yeah. best player. Yeah, no. Oh, no, you've just drafted... I'm just, you're drafting by opening partnership. I'm just, yeah, opening partnership. I'll give you my team, and then you can work out who comes first, because they're all great players. Um, so already, with that opening partnership, with his average and strike rate, we're on 85 for none after 10. <laughs> we're ahead of the game. But then one of them gets up. They average 57 and 51, so... We get to 108, and then Andre Russell comes in with a strike rate of 175, career strike rate, who averages 35. There's my aggressive all-rounder. There is not a boundary big enough for that man. No. I mean, you only have to hit it for six. You don't have to hit it out of the stadium. (laughs) Out of the city. He hits it miles. Um, And then you would have to face eight overs of spin with my team, facing Rashid Khan, 
who has a career economy of 6.3 and a strike rate of 16, and Sanil Narayan, who has a career um, economy of 6 and strike rate of 21. So you're 48 for 2 almost after 8 overs. So basically you've gone 2 openers and 2 spinners. And an all-rounder. And an all-rounder, and I'd like to get that. Like You would have liked yeah. to have gas, so Lockie Ferguson, honourable mention. Yeah. And I've spent 11 million, so I've got 900,000 still, because there's guys like Tim Seifert, for example, that goes for 50,000, but I'm only allowed four overseas, so I've got my four overseas, so I'm going to have to go local Indian players. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do the Field of Dreams, <laughs> where you know, you're invited to trials, Open and we're going to find... Some gems, just like John Wright found Jasprit Boomer playing cricket somewhere, and that was his his real find. Find as a scout. Crikey! Open trials in India. You're gonna have to go to a lot of places. Million people. You're gonna find some gems. Absolutely. So you're that confident you can win the IPL with five cricketers and six people you meet on the straight. Uh, we're already 85 for nine after ten, and the opposition's 48 for two after eight. So, um, and Andrew Russell hasn't even come in yet. This is Grant Elliott doing his last show on SCNZ, where next week he will be running an IPL franchise after that. Surely Ben Francis. Ben Francis is shaking his head feverishly. Ben Francis clearly wants me to make the call. Right, grade Grant Elliott's team. Double eight, double three. A, B, C, D, E, or F? I'll give you you a B. A B? I'll give you a C. That's quite good for you, because you're a real half-empty, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'll give you a C-. minus. Oh no! I give you a D plus. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I just we're gonna have I'll to give you a D- B minus. I'm gonna have to hear your team next no, week. I set the assignments. Mate. Oh, okay. I yeah. Grade them. yeah. Well, you know what happened to Mickey Arthur when he set <laughs> assignments <laughs> for the Australian <laughs> team. If it's gone the next week, see you later. See you, Shane Watto. Shane Watson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shane. I'm Shane Watson and Bro, Mitchell Watto. Johnson. Good one, mate. Excellent stuff. Fabulous. Um, yeah. Feel free to send in your grading of Grant Elliott's team. Uh, double eight, double three. Ben's uh, a runaway success, according to Hayden. <laughs> Hayden Francis. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know many Haydens, Ben? I don't actually know. No. Uh, okay, cool. That was the only answer. I don't know many people, with. though. Oh, brilliant stuff. It is the Saturday session. I lost my train of thought. Where are we? We're in the Saturday session. We're talking about spin, aren't we? <laughs> Spin's been the theme of the day. You're obsessed with spin today. It is nine minutes after 12 o'clock. We will take a short break. And coming up shortly, it will be the Saturday session legend segment. In association with Somerset, think legendary care, think Somerset Retirement Villages. We're going to catch up with Peter Muskimmon. Had a very interesting career. Firstly, as an athlete, of course, and then uh, running Sport New Zealand for many a year. We'll uh, talk to him about those uh, rather different sort of chapters in his career. He is coming up very shortly. Uh, keep your nominations also coming through for our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week as well. Remember, you've got through to the end of the show, which is this hour, through to 1 o'clock. It's 9 minutes after 12. Our Legends chat, Saturday Session Legends, coming up next. Peter Miskimmer, not too far away. We're getting to our Saturday Session Legends. We get to some messages that come through. I, I detect someone knows you here, um, here, Grant. Grant, do you feel any guilt that you robbed South Africa of one of its best chances to reach a World Cup final and a potential first World Cup by knocking out your country of, country of birth out of the World Cup no. final in 2015? No. no. It was pretty obvious, wasn't it? It was always going to be a no, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and part two of that one was also, what is a mongrel? Mongrel? Yeah, well, I mean, when you think of mongrel, you think of a mongrel dog, sort of rabid and, you know, rough and 
It's just aggressive, never gives up. One of those dogs that you look at and you go, how has that thing not died? But it's just got... We'll punch you on the bottom of a ruck when no one's looking. And it's got that fighting spirit. Yeah. That, that sort of nature that it just never lies down. That's what a mongrel is. Thank you. Uh, Mark Riding from Australia. Great show as always, guys. I'd rate Grant's picks for his team as an A+. He's got good, skilled players with good team balance to cover all the bases. Thumbs up. Thank you, man. That's very kind of you. Mark knows his stuff. Uh, although I think it's only fair we go back to Hayden, who, who graded... Hayden Francis. And, uh, Hayden Francis, who, who may have, uh, you know, given Ben an A. He's come back and given Grant a B. Grant's team, B. Drops a grade with Narine. He's been done for throwing, so you may lose him. Oh, Hayden. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> I give Ben Francis the old Andrew Burden salute. Fantastic. Time now for our Saturday session Legends segment. Uh, we catch up uh, with someone who's had a long association with New Zealand sport and has left uh, quite an impression. We uh, catch up with a man who was a fine athlete, worked as a sports administrator running uh, Sport New Zealand. Spark previously, as it was known for many, many years, I think over a decade, uh, and still uh, heavily involved with his, I won't say one true love, but a deep, Deep love of the game of hockey can only be former Black Sticks. And I, and I think these days, Peter Miskimmon, you're back in the coaching realm. Am I correct? Welcome to the Saturday session. Welcome, Peter. Yeah, yeah g'day, guys. How are you? Yes, yes, no, I'm, um, I'm Black, uh, coaching, assistant coach of the men's Black Sticks uh, team for the campaign to the Commonwealth Games at Birmingham, which is pretty exciting. Okay, Peter, why... Do you discriminate against left-handers? <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, you got it all wrong. As a left-hander, you actually have a lot of strength because all the strength in hockey is in your left hand. All you have to do is learn to hit it right-handed and you'll be away. Um, natural advantage for left-handers if they can hit the ball right-handed. It's a like, bit like learning guitar in schools in the 1970s, Grant. Yeah, but I, I, just learn to use your right. I'd say Tom Latham and the likes of Ben Stokes, they'd rock up at a hockey field and go, well, this is not for me. I, I've got to go, I, you have to go right-handed. And the reason why you have to go right-handed is so you don't club someone in the head. Am I correct? Well, no, there's two no, faces of the that, hockey that, that's stick. That's right. Yeah, everyone hits the ball right-handed. So it does. it is a little bit weird for those that are left-handed. But as I say again, in hockey, all the strength and the power and the um, and dexterity comes from your left hand, your top hand. So left-handers, when they can learn to do it, can actually do very well, very well indeed. Uh, we, we want to talk about your career over the years, but right now this is a great opportunity to, to ask about how preparations are going for the Commonwealth Games. We always have high hopes, high expectations as a general sporting public for our hockey sides inside that fraternity, very high hopes as well. And I'm sure you've set the bar pretty high. How's the team tracking? How are you feeling about the chances? Yeah, I'm pretty excited, really. I mean, you know, after always after Olympic campaign, you sort of reset and a whole lot of young guys uh, start emerging and they're given opportunities to get in, uh, which would be both for the men's and the women's black six sides. So, um, yeah, this this men's black six side actually is very exciting. Got some two or three young guys that emerged and a couple of the young guys uh, that have been around for a few years now because of COVID haven't really played a lot of international hockey. Uh, and now the opportunity to go to Europe. Uh, we're going sort of a couple of weeks early, and we play six test matches, a couple against Ireland, a couple against Holland, uh, and then a couple against France before getting to um, the, the village. So, yeah, it's it's a great preparation, and it's a pretty exciting team, really. So I'm sure we're going to do well. 
Uh, Peter, we spoke to Hume again uh, earlier about the Kiwis versus Tonga, and he doesn't have the, the luxury of getting a team together and, and, I guess, getting them to understand how each one of them works personality-wise and game-wise. How important is that to, to gel as a team, and how much time do you think you need before the team actually does become a cohesive unit? Well, I think, I think you're... Um I think that the notion or the way the systems work now for some sports is going to change because unlike sort of netball, rugby and cricket, um, you know, if you take football, most of our international players are now professional, are playing professionally around the world. And so when they come back into the all-white scene, it, you know, they've only got a very short runway uh, of preparation. In lots of ways, the Black Six men are, are, are turning out like that with you know, um, six or seven of the top players playing in Europe professionally and they come back uh, for obviously the, the major events and then, and then trying to bring them in together and, and, and get the team going. So daily training environments are really important and, and combinations in a team like, like hockey is so, so important. So um, the ability to actually gel the team to get structures that everyone agrees with and can understand and then getting everyone playing to it, it is a little bit of a struggle. But, um, you know, the Black Six team in a recent series against Australia taught us you know that they are quick learners and they um and, and they did very well in the six or seven days that we were together so having that time in europe i think is going to really help us your career peter your earliest memory of you involved with hockey what would it be <laughs> um my actually my earliest memory was i don't know how old it would have been five maybe or less i remember there's a team called the Indian Wanderers that came out. They were the world's best at that stage, and they came and played uh, at Lancaster Park, and I was a little kid with my grandfather, and I remember going along and watching um, uh, the, the Indian team play New Zealand team. So that was my earliest, earliest recollection uh, of hockey. But um, hockey's been in my family for, for yes. generations. So uncles and aunties, um, you know, grandfather was a referee at the Olympic Games. Um, my cousins have all played uh, hockey, part of that gold medal group. So, um, yeah, it's steeped in our, in our family, and I don't ever remember a time that I didn't have a hockey stick in my hand. <laughs> so, so you, you, you didn't really have a chance. You didn't really have a chance, Peter. You, you were not going to be allowed to play anything else, were you? Well, it's funny. My kids all play hockey too, and people say, oh, did you force them to play? Well, in the end, I didn't, but they came along with Dad, and, and Dad was playing hockey, so that's probably just how it happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Who was the person that inspired you? Um, I guess at the, at the young ages, you mentioned your grandfather. Was was he someone that was inspirational to you to to go on and and take take hockey on as a, a as a lifestyle choice? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I had lots of my grandfather, my grandmother, my mum and dad also played hockey for Canterbury, so they were always really supportive. But I probably the 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 um, my cousins the Maesters, um, yeah. uh, Chris Selwyn and Barry Maester, two of them went on to win a gold medal. Exactly. They were you know, sort of you know hugely influential. You know, just they'd come back from tours and I'd sit for hours listening to them talk about travelling overseas and playing overseas. And um, yeah, they just captured my imagination as a young kid. And and um, yeah, I just I wanted to end up doing what they were doing. So. I think everyone has someone like that that inspires them somewhere along the way, but they're probably more for me than anybody else. You, you probably spent hours talking to them about that gold medal run. What, what, what's the best story that you've learned over the years from that? Oh, well, the funny thing was, um, really, uh, is that I sat at their feet for so long listening to it all, and then all of a sudden I was playing against them, which was really weird. <laughs> they, were kind of, 
they were Canterbury and and we were Wellington, and um, it certainly split the loyalty of my grandmother and grandfather who were from Christchurch. So that was funny. All of a sudden, I went out and I was I was um, you know playing against my my childhood heroes. So um, oh no, there's lots of stories that go back about that that gold medal. They were a remarkable group of guys that, despite all the odds and everything, uh, ended up which was one of those golden moments in in New Zealand sports. So. Um, yeah, it was wonderful to actually end up playing with a lot of them and, and be inspired by a lot of them. And, and I'm sure you wanted to follow in their footsteps and ultimately have success at the Olympic Games, which is such a, a such a carrot for field hockey. But but working your way through the representative ranks, then into to New Zealand, you know, how much of a grind was that? How difficult was it? What was the level of competition like? What are your memories about taking those steps to get to the elite level? Yeah, it's funny because the era that I was in was after the gold medal. So in lots of ways, I didn't win a gold medal, but I felt like I was defending it for years. Um, and and really, there was a real change in regard. And obviously, um, at an international level, the artificial turf started to come in, and they transformed the game completely away from grass onto you know far more flatter surface. You end up becoming a little bit more of an athlete probably than, um, than the, the sort of the skill level that you had on grass. And so we, we struggled for uh, quite a long time to come to terms with that. And we didn't have an artificial turf here for, for many, many years until, you know, way behind most of the other international um, countries that we're playing against. So uh, that, that was pretty tough. Um, you know, we went, we went away to, um, to LA Olympic and we missed Moscow because of the, um, the boycott and yep. the LA Olympic Games. Um, and we came seventh there, and then and then we missed selection for Seoul, um, which was devastating for me at the time. And then and then obviously went on. I finished my career in Barcelona, so um, that was sort of the period that I was in. Um, yeah, but I mean we still you know great track record and huge memories and enormously proud to play, um, but never reached the heights. It was sort of frustratingly that I thought we could and we should have. But um, anyway, I'm sure many athletes have said that uh, as they sit sipping a beer watching games on TV. Yeah, Peter, you, fi- you finished eighth in uh, Barcelona um, and in your group you had Pakistan, Netherlands, Spain and you won just the, the, the one game. But what lessons have you taken into administration and also now um, looking to take the team over to the Commonwealth Games that you think might give you the edge going into to the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, um, uh, I think most importantly is that New Zealanders can win. You know, that, that, that even despite our, our uh, geographical isolation and sometimes seem to have programs that are not as funded as others, you know, with, uh, with our determination and, and with some really, really good smarts, we can compete. And I think, you know, my time at Sport New Zealand, high-performance Sport New Zealand, that sort of 10 years all of a sudden we started to win and we, and we were winning medals, we were winning world championships. And I think it really changed that whole philosophy of, of, being, of trying um, and, and we were a bit afraid to say that we were good and a bit afraid to look others in the eye and actually win. And actually what I really like is that we won a lot, but we won with really, really good people. You know, our athletes are incredible New Zealanders who represent New Zealanders in, in so well and make us all no, enormously proud. So... Winning and winning, winning really well with character, uh, something that I'm really proud of about the New Zealand system right now. I'm just, you know, seeing parallels between, you know, New Zealand hockey being a little bit slow, um, 
getting an artificial turf, being able to keep up with the Joneses, if you know what I mean. New Zealand's always had to, you know, overcome those shortcomings. We don't have the deepest pockets, um, and it's probably, uh, you know, finance reasons why we weren't able to, to build those facilities. But I, I'm guessing you probably encountered those type of challenges across so many sports in New Zealand when you were with Spark, with Sport New Zealand, that we have to think a little bit differently because we simply can't compete financially. I think we did we did three things really. Um, I think it has improved dramatically uh, our performances at, at Olympic, uh, Commonwealth, um, and actually World Championships. Was really first of all making sure that we had the facilities in New Zealand that could be world class. And I think now, if you think about just about every sport, they have a home base somewhere which has international um, ranked facilities that they can work out of. Um, the second is, is a daily training environment, you know, with good coaches, high-quality uh, support staff uh, that can provide the, 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 the 24-hour, um, you know, uh, a constant servicing of those athletes to be the best they can. And the other one, which has really hit us pretty hard in the last couple of years, is actually getting our international players overseas and playing more competition against those competitors and, and being in their training environments so it, nothing becomes a surprise when you turn up at the starting line. And so many of our athletes now will be able to know who they're competing against and know that they've got their measure before getting to a, a, a major event like an Olympic Games. So I think those are the three things that we're really focused on. And, you know, you only got to look at our performances from, you know, I think Sydney, we, we, um, we got five medals in Athens, um, sorry, four medals, five in, in um uh, in Athens and nine in Beijing, and then 13 in London, 18 in in um, in, in Rio, and then 20 plus in Tokyo. So you can see how that the system has really evolved and has been enormously successful over that period. Actually, where does the next evolution come from, Peter? You feel I know, I know you stepped down what 18 months ago might have been a little bit longer. Um, I'm sure you still got connections there, though. Where do you see the next evolution? Because New Zealand needs to keep up with that if they continue the trend you've articulated. Yeah, the, the, the some of the problem that we had because we didn't have an, enough resources is that we targeted a lot, and so there's always sports saying what's well, unfair. You know, we we don't get as much funding as someone else. Um, and, and that was right, um, and, and that was really quite tough to do sometimes. There are many sports we know that are incredibly um, excited, exciting for New Zealanders to watch. They feel an enormous, enormous amount of pride, but they never got the funding from uh, government or others to, um, to help that inspirational moment. So I think part of this now is broadening that, that uh, number of sports out to ensure that we can get more sports at that top level. Uh, and I still think it's actually getting our athletes overseas and continuing to still compete. And obviously that's a really tough one with, uh, with COVID right now. So I don't quite know what the new normal will be. But, um, yeah, it's really important that our athletes are able to, to compete against, um, you know, their fellow competitors and know their measure before uh, they get into the rigour of top competition. Yeah, with the targeting element, and it's a, in a large way, Peter, isn't it, and you know, about it. it's a funding issue in a lot of ways, the, the targeting. I always found it, so I could see the positives, but I could see the downsides and could completely understand when sports like football and basketball jump up and down going, Peter, we have so many playing numbers. We want an active, healthy society. We, we can be a big part of that, but we're never going to win a world championship. We're never going to beat the United States in basketball. We're not, not going to beat Brazil in football. 
it, it must be tough for, for some of these sports. Yeah, enormously. You know, and you've just picked a, you know, the, 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 the challenge within the system is that many of those sports, the international um, level of competition is so immense because of the, the popularity of that sport. Um, for that period that I was talking about before, the strategy was around um, winning medals and, and, and winning podium positions, which precluded some of those sports from getting funding. Now, that has changed uh, in the last sort of couple of years. So now those inspirational sports like football, you know, that game the other day, even though we lost, was unbelievable, I thought. Um, and so, you know, our, our football ferns are going to be playing here next year in the World Cup. Now, they're not going to, you know, we wish them all the best, but they may not win it. But boy, they can inspire us along the way. So, same with the likes of basketball. So I think there's an inspirational element to this now that's really important. Those that capture young people's uh, imagination and inspires them to go on and do things um, and, and you know see what is possible through their heroes. So that's a really important part of the, of the future investment in the high performance space. Peter, you, you speak about um, winning with character, inspiration. Um, what, what do you... What, what's your coaching philosophy going into this Commonwealth Games? And is hockey a game that is run by the leaders of the team or the coach itself? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. And being a sort of an old baby boomer that grew up with uh, <laughs> in regimes where you were, you were told what to do and you did it mm. and you never questioned it. Um, today's world is different than that. Y- young people want to be empowered. They want to understand why. They want to be included in decision-making. And I think that's fantastic. So I think part of the trick now of being a top coach is, is how you create the right environment for athletes to grow. Um, but equally, how do you get them to lead more and make, make good decisions? And, and that's, that's hard from a sort of more of a dictatorial sort of um, uh, um, generation that many coaches have come from. And so that, now it's how do you mould it together uh, with the athletes themselves, which means coaches have to be a little bit more vulnerable. They have to be more, more honest and open. Um, you know, it's, it, it is challenging, but there is a real change going now. So, um, you know, the, um, uh, uh, Greg Nickel, who's the Black Sticks men's coach, is very much aligned to uh, working with the players um, and, and helping them to make decisions and, and helping them grow uh, as a collective um, through what they do. We, we often ask in this segment uh, of our legends, especially those who've ended up in coaching who are fine athletes, you know, what would, what would the modern-day coach say to, to you, Peter Miskimmon, as a, as a 19, 20-year-old, whatever it was, when you made your New Zealand debut, what advice? It sounds like the other thing. What, the other way around, what would a young Peter Miskimmon say to the modern-day modern day coach for Peter Miskimmon? No, get out of my way. I'll, I'll, just, I'll do this myself. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure I'd answer about coach but what I'm absolutely fascinated by is the willingness of the senior players to embrace the younger players in, in my day um, you tiptoed around the senior players you had to learn yeah. you know this, this notion around you know you, you only got to the back of the bus at the end of your career um, and there's a hierarchy I know it's sort of part of tradition but Really interesting. The group that I'm involved in, I'm enormously impressed with our leaders um, and how they they bring young players in. But equally, I'm astounded by the confidence uh, and the curiosity of young ones to keep asking questions. So um, I think that's healthy. I think that's far better way to, to be than than sometimes in the old days where you 
you didn't say anything until you'd been in for a while to, to earn your stripes. So um, you just shut up and listen. Um, today, it's more about asking questions and understanding. Last one from me. How does the field look like as, as far as the rivals at the Commonwealth game, Peter? Oh, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the Commonwealth, and particularly in hockey anyway, is really strong. Um, yeah, so our, is, pool, yeah. our pool, we've got Pakistan, which is always an unknown. South Africa improving mm. significantly. We've got Australia in our pool. Um, so if we make our way through that, we end up playing probably India or England, um, maybe on the other side. So <laughs> it doesn't get easy, I can assure you. Um, and then, you know, in six months later, this team's off to the... the um, the World Cup, uh, which is in India, um, so it's it's really it's going to be really interesting to see how we go. Hopefully, come back with uh, gold medals, uh, and then hopefully that'll be a launching pad for the boys to go on to the to the World Cup. Now, uh, Peter, the last one from me before you go. Um, I've uh, been advised that you are currently a BSB doubles champ. Uh, do you have any light? On, can you shed any light on that? <laughs> Well, I, I think I know who the guy that uh, told you that, he, and he and he's my teammate. So uh, yes, that would be dead true. Um, okay. And it means we can still still beat the youngsters, and that's always uh, a good place to be. And yeah. what though? I'd like to know: drinking beer or is this frisbee? Frisbee. From what I understand, is frisbee. that is that correct, Peter? It's frisbee. Uh, it's frisbee. Yes, it is. And it's a game of frisbee <laughs> played and uh, played with uh, on a campground with certain rules. So. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll, maybe we'll leave it there, but it is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on the program, Peter. Uh, thanks for your time and wishing not only you, but your entire, entire squad uh, go well. Represent you with uh, great pride, as you always tend to do at the uh, Commonwealth Games, and we'll be rooting for you. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks a lot, Peter. Uh, happy Mother's to you. Cheers, mate. Bye. Peter Miskimmon, 150 games for New Zealand as a hockey player. Over 10, 12 years, I think it was, with uh, Sport New Zealand. Mark, as it was uh, nine a few years ago, and uh, still involved as a current assistant coach of the Black Sticks men's side, head of the Commonwealth Games. So I know that they're really busy preparing for it, so it was really helpful uh, that he set aside this time to join us on the Saturday session for our Legends segment uh, in association with uh, Somerset, think legendary care, think Somerset Retirement Villages. You would have gone good in hockey back in the day on a no, grass field. Well, let me t- tell you about my one and only hockey practice. So I, I was thinking, oh, do I go hockey or rugby? Now, normally if you went and played hockey, um, you weren't allowed to come back into the family in South Africa. They were like, right, you know, pack your bags. Why? You're gone. Hockey just wasn't considered the right thing to do. What, soft? Yeah. You They've had never to, played hockey, have they? You had Seriously? to play rugby. You have right? to be mad to play hockey. I know. The fitness levels of these guys. Please. And also the masks they wear when it's a run at penalty. penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Are you serious? You want me to run as fast as I can at the projectile coming towards me that could ruin this beautiful face? Well, the quicker no, you get, I'm not having any of that. Quick, I quit. The quicker you get there, the less chance you've got of getting hit, I reckon, or in the face. You might so, get a no, body you, blow. You were quite quick. You'd just sprint right past the guy. Yeah. <laughs> not, not even challenge the ball and go. So I, I had a hockey, <laughs> hockey, one hockey training, and I just found it so frustrating trying to hit the ball. Like, I could hit it, but I couldn't really, like, get a good connection on it, so and it was on up. grass. No, and I thought, well, let me go and give rugby a try. Gave rugby a try, ripped all the tendons in my ankle, <laughs> and I loved it. I, I just loved the adrenaline that, that rugby gave you and ended up playing that. But I did have a lot of friends that played hockey, and wow, they were fit. 
They were fit and absolute animals off the park as well. Yeah. I think their fitness levels. Well, you look at Peter Muskim played 150 games. I think he's 200 games behind New Zealand's leading you know, all-time. I think Phil Burrows is what, 350. Mm. It's just, they play so often. Yeah, and physically I mean, demanding, sapping heat, and the game is so quick with the little freeze they take to themselves. Now, if you fouled, don't have to pass to a teammate; you can take it yourself. I, I reckon it's a rule football should look at. I think I would have played more. Sped up the game so much. I would have enjoyed it more had I played on an artificial where oh, was there was it, was a grass. Yeah, it was grass, oh, and it was yeah, you know, bumpy. And um, can you imagine falling on the those hard, um, high felt fields in the winter? It's just got that yellow grass and just rock-hard fields. But he, a fascinating person who, who has gone on from uh, being an athlete to in administration. I really wanted to ask him about balance in sport, you know. Balance is better, that whole thing that's going on with um, Sport New Zealand. Because every legend we speak to, you know, you, li- you listen to him and he comes from a hockey, you know, absolute family, uh, generations of hockey players. And it sounded like hockey was in his blood from a young age, whereas... We're encouraging our children, you know, play all the sports. But I wonder if there's an element of, you know, all these legends we've spoken but to, I, but I love completely that passionate story. about this. He fell in love with it, not only just for the family, but going to see um, international stars yeah. when he was five years of age. Mm. And that's why playing in front of your fans is so significant. And that's why I've banged on for the last two days on this uh, station about how significant I think tonight's rugby league test is. The fact that fans are back in front of, of people's eyes. I looked. I watched the Breakers players get drafted in the NBA, and I was like, what does that mean to the Breakers fans? They didn't get to see them. Mm. They were away. We, we saw them on television. They just looked like they just looked like another basketball team. But you, and you know you've been to basketball. That sport live is so much more compelling. It's an amazing sport live. It is you great. have not gone to a basketball game in your life, you are missing out. We're, we're and to it. see those athletes up close and personal, people have been talking about that for years, following them for years, but I don't think the Breakers fans will have the connections with those two players mm. that they could have if they'd seen them yeah. live, if and that you, makes sense. And you need, if you remember with the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes um, had a real um, disconnection uh, with the, the community, and then suddenly Mark Hammett came in and went, right, we're going to the community, and the players were out and about, Players even phone members and say, Dane Coles was on the phone to a friend of mine, this maybe last season, saying, thank you for your membership. And he was just cold calling all the, the, the members saying, thank you for signing up again. Oh, and it, yeah, you need to do that as athletes. It's not just about on-field stuff, but it's the off-field stuff that you do to inspire children. That is our Saturday Session Legends segment done for another week. In association with Somerset, think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset. .co.nz. Back after this with Clado on the boys. Quarter to one. 15 minutes away from the A team taking over. And the and the uh, the audience rejoicing out loud because that means we go, Grant. Here's Clado from the Good Oil. Hello, fella. <laughs> you cold there, mate? Rejoicing you, you, or rejuicing? Yeah. <laughs> you cold, mate? You got the big puffer jacket oh, on. Yeah. Is it a bit cold in the studio, is it? Yeah, you know, the aircon's like. It's either on, it's either Sahara or it's the Antarctic. Oh, have you got one of those studios up there? I'm glad because our little uh, cupboard that we've been put in somewhere in Wellington, it's just the same. I can never make up my mind if it's hot or cold. Yeah, no, it's a pretty it's cool just... customer alongside you there. That could be the problem. Yeah. Well, Clado, it's very, very humid. And uh, tell you what, if there was jockstrap reading in here, we'd have to check that every day. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't cold. 
was Subtle Point. <laughs> Subtle Point and uh, his brother or sister, Subtle Ease, I think. My son's um, teacher told me he had a double win last weekend. Did Subtle Point win last week? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Apparently. No one believes you, Grant. Yeah, you don't believe me. Plato doesn't clearly believe you. Maybe it was the weekend before. I don't know. Or just right. one time. But it was back-to-back, oh. back, though. Back-to-back. Back. He was very, very impressed with uh, the way his horse was going. I think there's going to be an inquiry on this uh, claim of yours, uh, Grant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, Subtle Point did win last week, didn't it? Yeah. And Chase won again. Our good old oh. Chase. Oh. Jeez, why didn't I get on that? Wow. <laughs> he's never going to let the fact that he's, he's picked two horses in his career... Is he Clay Day? No, no. He's picked two right, and how many goes? I've got a lot right. When I when I have <laughs> conviction in my picks, though, Clay Day, oh, you have to you, say. What do you got for us this often, week then? Uh, I, don't, I don't like the field this week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. What, what have you got? Well, we've got uh, Tauranga and we've got Rickerton today. So big fields at Rickerton and a couple of feature races at Tauranga today. The Kiwi Fruit Cup used to be a time honoured. Uh, handicap, we race to win over winter, but only eight runners today in the Team Whelan's Tauranga Classic. So good field there. Two favourites come out. It looks like Jodelin's gal, she looks like the best in race seven today at Tauranga. And who have you got on the show? How did Kyle Mills go last week? Oh, you know, cricketers are like fish hooks in their pockets. <laughs> they like they love shout. making money, don't they? Yeah, they, they love, love going to money. any part of the world to play any cricketing gimmick competition. What have the West Indies got? At the moment, 60-ball competition, isn't it? Yeah, the 66 oh, or God. something. How, where does it end, mate? We've got the 100 in the UK. Now the West Indies are going with 60. Make it the 30. Well, why don't we just... Millsy was really good. He said he'd love to get you on the show one day. Yeah. Well, Four hours of should, punting. We should do that, Plato. Oh, lots, of, lots of easy bets. I'll just easy <laughs> bet every time. And you boys will just be shaking your heads. <laughs> We're shaking our heads now. All yeah, right, Plato. Today. So, yeah, that's, that's the feature of him today. Jodel and Girl, race seven at Tauranga, probably be the best. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Plato, thanks. Thanks, Plato. Thanks so much. The good oil coming up after one o'clock. Uh, this is your final call to get your uh, nominations in because the, the, the door is closing. We've got about four minutes. Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. In the end, you went... Well, my, my Sleep Drops Performance of the Week was uh, the Crusaders. It I was going to go Daryl Mitchell, but I went with the Crusaders. Well, it's all red and black because I'm going the Canterbury man, Daryl Mitchell. Uh, yep. Honourable mention to Johnny Bairstow. Crikey. Dick, he's mauling Eric. Oh, oh. What a performer. We'll try New Zealand Sleep Drops. Co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Back after the break. Sorry, Grant, Elliot and I have just been spending the uh, the interval coming up with uh, Cricket's great new idea. Cricket Zero, where we just imagine what happened. And my team beat yours today. Grant, unlucky. Uh, how do you feel about your loss today? That'll be an eSports. Don't worry. The kids will be sitting there going, I've got 100 today. You're like, really? Yeah, no, I was playing. Cricket Zero. I was playing Stokesy EA Sports. <laughs> I was just imagining the outcome. Had it for six hours with my VR set on. Scored another 100. Let's finish off with our tips. You should run a mile from. I'm going pretty boring with my picks. The Kiwis to win. Yes, I'm going with the Kiwis. That's mm. one I probably have least Good amount one. of faith in because a uh, bit of faith in Tonga. Uh, Samoa are going to win against the Cook Islands, probably quite convincingly so. Uh, so I'll just go the head-to-head there and Fiji too. So I've got the multi. New Zealand, Fiji, Samoa. Okay, you New Zealand's paying a dollar twenty-five. Samoa's paying a dollar point zero zero one. Okay, mm, right. That's uh, that's not going to pay my mortgage this week. And uh, 
Fiji at $1.27. Ben Francis will probably go the opposite to Grand Elliott again because it's worked so well from the last month. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Ben, you can work out these odds. I've got a multi, shock, horror. I love a multi. <laughs> uh, New Zealand to beat Tonga, so I agree with Daniel McCarty. I'm then going to go with Fiji to beat Papua New Guinea. Um, the New South Wales to beat the uh, Maroons. The New South Wales. Yep. To beat the, the Maroons at the, $1. Like 66. the Zambia. And then the Zambia, England, rather. the ECB, England Cricket Board, uh, England-Wales Cricket Board. Uh, why do they get two countries? It's not fair. Um, Principality, Wales, isn't it? But, <laughs> hey, no one likes a corrector. $1.83 uh, for England to win. And the reason why I'm going to go England to win, and I hate this, I hate doing this, I just don't think we've got the bowling stocks to get through this test match. They've got Leach. The way they've chased down the first two titles in the first two tests. Yeah. Dollar eighty. Yeah, dollar eighty. And that gives you four dollars eighty, you put on ten bucks, you get a little forty eight back. That means three 0 to England and we'll be speaking to some irate Black Caps fans from ten AM next Saturday. There we go. Have a great weekend team. My thanks to Ben Francis, future CEO of the Warriors <laughs> and today's draft winner. Oh, you spoken. are kidding. The people have spoken. Ben Francis' team, clearly better than Grant Elliott's. I'm a standing ovation from me. Ta-da, team. Uh, thanks, Good listeners. Week. Thanks, Ben Francis. Thanks, Daniel McCarty. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.